That'll do. Way, way over slip. And again, the ball flies away for four runs. Now, no bowler enjoys this, although he's asked to attack. Angus Fraser really would hate to give away runs. He's given away no balls. And this flies away for four. Tendulkar on 98. And there it is. Test match 100 for Tendulkar. Aged 17 years and 112 days. One of the youngest ever to do Test match 100. An innings of temperament, skill and delightful strength. To extended break welcome back guys you know what time it is number 100 back at it again the number one podcast of the sport where much like the queen mother people hoped i'd make it to 100 so we're still here we're still standing uh, i think i've probably had what six weeks off and it's been a useful time away uh, more on that in another episode, but really you're here for number 100, and for me, I think you look at the timestamp and you can kind of figure out what this episode is going to be about. So all I'll say is, there are a number of options we could have done for number 100, and it could have gone in any which way, and things rose and things fell. But I'd had this episode in the chamber for weeks, actually. I'd, and I just kind of sat on it. But I knew it would be good to go whenever I got the microphone up and running. Um, how do you describe... I'm trying to describe how I feel. Because I'm obviously recording this after I've recorded the episode. There's a lot in that episode. And it's fitting that number 100 goes to the man who almost single-handedly changed how a lot of fans view boxing. I'm not talking necessarily about you know, people go, oh my God, he's got Carl Froch. No, he's a former guest and he's been on before. His episode did the most numbers, so he's kind of number 100 on merit. And we continue a conversation we started and the conversation that changed boxing is rare. If you really break this down, it's rare you get a moment in boxing, whoever you are. It's rare that a podcast gets that moment. And when me and Larry did that episode two years ago, just over two actually, a lot of things changed in boxing. I thought fan perception changed. The view of doping in boxing changed. And there was a healthy cynicism about what people were seeing. And I think that discussion has carried on over the last two years. But one thing I will say is it's also forced us to ask ourselves, do we really care that much about doping? And I think we explore a load of issues. 
in episode 100. And it may make sense if you're new to the podcast to go back to the original episode with Larry. I think it might have been episode like 70 of the Beautiful Boxing Podcast, I'm guessing. But it's round about the 70 region, so you've got to scroll way back. But it's worth it, because a lot of this stuff will make sense if you've heard the first episode. I'm being honest, because what we didn't want to do this time was hammer people with too much detail. So we kept this one quite thematic, whereas the first episode is quite detailed. So if you really want to know the intricacies of how things work, that's what you do. We jump into some of that, obviously. But the important thing here was just to, to give an overview of what's happened in the last couple of years and where we think things are going. And I think it's informative. This, this is a whole concept of beyond boxing. You, you have to open your mind to the fact that there are other things happening that can impact boxing, but they're also equally interesting in their own right. And if you can bring those to an audience that's prim primarily boxing driven, I think it just gives us more informed fans and better fans. So I thoroughly enjoyed the episode. I hope you guys do too. I think it's a fitting way to close off the first hundred. And I think beyond that, you know, we not necessarily that we'll move in a different direction, but I've committed myself to having more fun doing these. So enjoy this. Look out for what comes afterwards. No idea what yet, but you know, we'll keep pushing. And the important thing to say is if you enjoy this content, share it. I'm not so precious anymore whether it's a visible share or you're just telling someone at work to have a listen or you're giving someone a nudge in the gym. The important thing is that it's getting shared and the word's getting out because year on year the numbers go up. So I know a lot of you guys are doing the good things that I really appreciate and respect. And you know, when people say they're a fan, I always say you're not really a fan until you share something. Then you're a real fan, you're an advocate. And they're the people I'll tend to bond with because they're putting their nuts on the line. And really... That's what life's about. So without further ado, let me just hand over to Larry and say, enjoy, like, share, and hopefully it's good to be back. So Larry, how have you been? I've been all right, you know, T. I've been all right, man. I've, I've uh, as you know yourself, uh, been been doing a lot of acting. <laughs> That's my new career now. Uh, been in Venom 2, been in two episodes of EastEnders. Uh, a couple of bits and pieces that I've done I can't really mention at the moment until it, uh, near the time it comes out. Um, so yeah, 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 I'm doing well. Um, you know, auditioning for this, that and the other as well. You know, getting close to some really big parts. Uh, looking for that big, big break. But, um, but yeah, otherwise I'm not too bad. Also I had a son. Got a 13 month, uh, old son. Uh, that's, uh, driving me a bit crazy, but that's <laughs> all good. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Life—I can't complain. Life is life has been good. Man. So you life might have actually good. had the busiest lockdown. Yeah, because uh, I know you're definitely pushing the acting thing, fatherhood, obviously. Um, you've also got the the Jim Rat Pack um, video podcast as well on YouTube. So if anyone wants to follow that, go for it. Right. So thank you for reminding me. See that—that—that's how much stress I'm under right now. You forgot <laughs> to mention that. Obviously, we started that um, last September, um, and that's going really well. Like you said, it's called the Gym Rat Pack Does Entertainment. Uh, me and two other friends of mine uh, who are actors and, and love love the gym as well. And, you know, we just do entertainment news and reviews and trailer reactions and uh, stuff, stuff like that, you know. So, uh, yeah, if, if people want to see some of that, please jump, jump up to YouTube and then check that out, man. 
the gym rat pack does entertainment. Are any of them part of the Muscle Works crew? Yes. Well, what, um, they both used to go to Muscle Works. Um, uh, I think we all live too far to, to start to, to, to be going there regularly. I mean, I always pop my head in now and again, uh, as they do. But um, I think we've all moved out a little bit too far to be going there as regularly as we used to be. Um, so, yeah, they, but yeah, they are all part of the old muscle work crew, definitely. Do you know what but I love? Like, yeah. Sorry. Because I went back there. Um, so I've been back there probably in the last two or three months because I, I hadn't been to the Valance Road one since it opened. But it's all oh, the same okay, equipment. Okay. I love that. It's just the same equipment. So you just kind of slot back in, don't you? You go, ah, well, this is all familiar to me. Yeah, that's, that's the great thing about it. Except obviously they've got the ring in there now. So that, that's made it even more um, exciting to be in that. Because now you're getting uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of boxers coming there to train. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of females are now picking up boxing there as well. A lot so, of people yeah. needing guidance, Larry. Yeah, well, uh, I, I, like I said, I don't even get there down there anymore, man. So, to, to be honest, to be able to do that, so. But, but you got quite a few uh, celebrities down there as well. You got Ralph Fine, who's there two or three times a week. He's got a trainer there. Um, who else? Is, who else goes down there? I, I've, I've actually, because uh, he's a family friend, I've taken Arian Bakery, the actor, down there um, a couple of times. Uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can spot a couple of celebrities now and again, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, for people who don't know Muscle Works, right? It might be the rawest gym you'll ever go to. Like you never, you never bench press with identical weights on either side. All the twenties look different. The bars have seen better days. The machines have probably seen better days, but everything works. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely. Um... Yeah, as you said, it's one of the rawest gyms in um, in in London, probably even the UK. Yeah. I mean, there's only a few other gyms I know of. Uh, one being um, uh, Dave Beatty's gym, uh, Bulldog Bulldog Gym in Wembley. Oh Jesus um, Christ! Yeah, which which can even compare to that. Um, do you know what I mean? Just the rawness. Um, and it's and it's and it's funny because you know Muscleworks used to be a men only gym up until a few years ago. Yeah, and um, I I always thought that it would lose that rawness when uh, females side down there. But it hasn't. It hasn't. You actually get hard-training females in there as well. Ooh, uh, mate, I've got so. stories about... I can't, <laughs> they, they can't be on this podcast, but wow, there's some stories behind that. That's for damn sure. <laughs> we have to talk afterwards. Oh, bro. listen, 100, mate, 100. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, no. It's, I'm loving that it's kept that vibe. Obviously, like I said, I don't really get to go as, as much as I used to because I don't live near the gym anymore but um, again like I said now and again I'm a, I'll pop through because I'm, I'm a good friend of the owner staff and um, you know you still know plenty of guys that go there and stuff so yeah man yeah, it's, 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 I'm glad that that gym is, hasn't lost uh, any of its luster you know in terms of being one of the more hardcore gyms in, in London and the UK it never will, man. You go in there, it's humid as anything. You're training, and you're like, why does everything feel so much harder than it does everywhere else? But you leave there, and you, you, just, yeah. you know you've got your workout. And I don't know if there's a magic there that makes you train harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 100%, 100%. And it's, it, you don't get that in, in, in many gyms. You, don't, you really don't. You no. really don't. It's that, there's something about the atmosphere in that gym that is just, yeah, yeah. 
But really, look, we need to get to the, the nuts and bolts of this, right? Because this is episode 100, and everyone was asking me what you're going to do for number 100, and I've swung between every possible option. <laughs> I have, honestly, I have. I was like, what do I do? Do I just do a, a State of the Union address? Do I do this? Do I do that? And then mm. I just looked in my DMs, and the biggest question was, when's Larry coming back? We need Larry back. And then I looked at the numbers that episode did, and yeah. it's like an outlier. Wow. It's an outlier. I promise to God, the the impact of that episode, I can't really measure because I'm not like in everyone's house. But I remember one of the England rugby girls sharing that. And she she wrote on Instagram, it's mad that two guys from boxing are talking about this and no one in rugby is talking about this. And that went to her <laughs> universe. So I got like a, a spike of 700 spins like a year later. Yeah. Which is unheard of. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was, it was mad. The messages we were, I was getting people getting in touch going, no one's done that before. Trainers were coming up to me. Uh, I've always suspected so-and-so was on drugs. What do you think? And I was like, oh my God, we, and it's rare when you do a podcast that you can have something that you call a moment. But there's, mm. that, that was a moment because there was boxing talk before that episode and it was boxing talk after that episode. Mm. And after that episode, fans just were so cynical about everything they saw. And I was like, yeah, we had the right effect. Yeah. How did you yeah. find it? Because there's one moment, I remember once, you were on that, that, that poxen thing, right? Uh-huh. And it might, it was, I think it was Liam Smith was trying mm. to go back and forth with you. and try, He was trying to say, you know what I mean? Like, oh, there's drug, boxing doesn't have a drug problem. And, you know, why should we listen to someone who got caught? And I was just there going, oh, my God, he doesn't get it. <laughs> it, it do you know what something felt a bit like? I'm like, mate, you're sounding guilty here. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what I yeah. felt. I felt you're sounding guilty. I've seen the CMP logo on your T-shirt. You're red flagging to me. Right, right. You see, it, it, uh, I mean, because he did, he did one by himself first, didn't he? And then uh, I was asked to retort. Um, and then they both got us both on there. And he was a lot calmer when I was on there. Um, and, you know, the, the questions, you know, he, he, he just showed what lack of knowledge he actually had. But he was respectful. I give him that. He wasn't as, he wasn't as disrespectful as he was when I wasn't on there the first time when he was talking to Poxon and, and whatnot. Because obviously I was there and I could I could retort and I have the knowledge. And you see, this is the problem with, with a lot of these uh, people, especially athletes or boxers, should I say, that want to speak on, on things like this with, with, with either no knowledge or obviously that they're doing something and they're just trying to cover their back by, you know, going the other way. So, And I'm not accusing them of anything. I'm just saying that that, that seems to be the case, you know. And instead of taking things... Um, Instead of taking things and really thinking about it, and 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 just looking through history, really, I mean, you only have to look through history to see what I am saying is correct. You know, it's it's not it's not that I'm coming up with my own deductions or theories and whatnot. This is this is just fact. What we've been seeing over the years. Um, I mean, Eddie Hearn made the same mistake as well, didn't he? When I when I made when I made on the same uh, podcast, I said that. Um, you know, I, I believe eighty percent of elite boxers uh, are are um, are doping. And he came out and said, "Oh, ridiculous! It's nonsense and this and that." But then, 
we went back through his history and how many of these boxes do you have in your pay-per-view? People that have been caught two or three times. So, you know, it, it's a nonsense. These people, they think, pe- they, they think people in general are not paying attention to this, but they are. You know, and, and when someone like myself and, and yourself get on a platform to really lay out what's going on and to a certain extent how it's going on, that's when people start thinking, aha, okay, okay, their eyes start to open. And as you said, that aha moment is, is I'm glad that's happening. I'm glad. And I, and I don't mean they should be accusing everyone of using uh, performance enhancing drugs because that's not, that's not what we're trying to do. But what we are trying to do is open people's eyes to see that the so-called problem, in quote, uh, of performance enhancing drugs is in all sports is not going anywhere and is actually getting worse, not better, as, as, the, as the establishment would like you to believe, you know? So, yeah. And you're right. And I was watching that period there where, where you know, I mean, Poxon definitely embraced his, I mean, he was taking a buccaneering approach. Like, you know, he was the, the white knight to save sport and to shine light. And I was just listening to him talk. I was like, mate, you're still on doping 1.0. Do you know what I mean? You're you're still talking about huffing a huge amount of Danabol down your throat and stuff. And I was like, the game's moved on so much. And it really has. And I was like, you're yeah. not you're not talking about where it's at right now. And it's not a bad thing you're doing, but you're making a lot of noise about one small sliver of it. And the rest mm. of it's happening outside of your field of view. Mm. And sometimes you've got mm. to say to those like Poxon, listen, leave it to the people who are elbow deep in all of this because like I said that episode went went everywhere Larry like I had I had female bodybuilders powerlifters male bodybuilders powerlifters that I follow going how do you know so much about this you don't touch anything I was like listen I've been around a lot of you guys a long time (laughs) (laughs) it's 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 all kind of crept out but what actually Mm. surprised me Larry like when I look at these two years are the number of women taking shit. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of DMs from women taking stuff, telling me their story about, I mean, boyfriends prescribing them. I think one woman was on something ridiculous, like 50 milligrams of test a week. Wow. I was like, I was like, <laughs> you're about to reassign your gender. Wow. <laughs> I got... Dangerous stuff was happening. Um, I mean, women who haven't had periods for two years. Like, I was, all of these horror stories were coming through to me. And they were like, at least people like you were talking about this. Because not many people come out. Like, look, maybe it's a British thing. Like, and I'm going to use women as an example here because it's harder for them to talk about this stuff. But when I talk to women involved in strength and power sports, they'll tell me what they're taking. A lot of them regret starting, but they're like, I'm in too deep now. I mean, the side effects have already licked me. I may as well see how far I can take this now. And mm. it, it's heartbreaking, but you kind of nod your head and go, I kind of understand. Mm. Mm. And so you have, yeah. Yeah, you, you have those ladies. And then also some, you have some of these younger ladies who are a bit more enlightened. And now they're, they're looking at protocols. So they're like, look, as women who are doing this, it's our job to educate other women. And so you're getting a lot of that, like a lot of these, um, a lot of these Brits are just being open about what you're taking. 
And it's worth saying to people listening to this now, for considering what we're about to get into, don't do this without medical supervision. Don't do this without getting your bloods done every eight weeks or so. Don't play around with your system because if you fuck around with the wrong thing, that's you done. Like some of this stuff ain't reversible. So don't be cavalier with it. You need medical supervision. You need the right people around you because some of the athletes we've talked about before, they've got teams around them that make sure nothing goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Bricks are pretty open. I find it harder with the Americans. Americans will tell you they're doing what they're doing natural. They still talk like that, natural. Mm. I'm just like, you're not doing what you're doing naturally. (laughs) (laughs) And and it's almost embarrassing because, you know, the thing with Instagram now is we've got a longitudinal study of how you used to be and how you used to sound. So if your voice has changed in the last four or five years, like noticeably changed, you can't keep, you can't tell us that Ty Mitchell punched you in the throat. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, on the subject of women, uh, we've got. I think it's she's either uh, Miss Olympia Physique or Miss Olympia Fitness. I can't remember Dana Lynn Bailey. Yeah, and she is one of the biggest liars when it comes to performance enhancing drugs. You only have to look at her physique to know that she's using performance enhancing drugs and yet every single time she's denying it you know and and making stupid excuses that oh well i train so hard and if i use performance enhancing drugs i'll be a lot bigger than i am now you know the same the same old stupid excuses that you hear from lots of people like that and it's just like give it a rest because you know this is the problem that i think all, all you know i think men and women with these um, fake natties, as they like to call them, um, I think this. I think men and women have the same problem, but women especially because, obviously, as you said, um, you know these are male hormones. So, in essentially, what you're doing is turning yourself male. You know, um, and if you do not have, I mean, I'm personally, I'm not an advocate of women using anabolic steroids as a performance enhancing drug purely because of that. I mean, there's so many other performance enhancing drugs that you can use now that don't have those uh, side effects and are not male hormones, there's no need to use male hormones. You know, that for women, that's a thing of the past as far as I'm concerned. Um, but then again, you know, it, it, women are, when they, when they hear someone like Dana Lynn Bailey saying that, and then they, they get into the gym and they train for years and diet and they don't see the same results, it, it, it then goes back to okay well, I know she's using that but then now what do I do and then they get advice from their boyfriend for instance who's got no idea what women should be using and uh, yeah it, it, then it's a slippery slope and like you said some some of them will have such side effects that they can't reverse and they'll just be right I'm all in that and I don't care you know um, so yeah it, 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 and then the thing goes for men in the sense as well because you get a lot of these guys you know um especially these uh, fitness uh, guys, these classic physique guys or um, whatever, and they'll be like, yeah, I'm natural, I'm natural, I'm natural, when nothing can be further from the truth. And then they're selling programs to guys, uh, and the guys think, oh, if I buy this program, I'll look like them. And then they're training for years, eating well and whatnot, and don't look anything like them. And then the realization comes that, oh, they're on 
performance and some drugs. But then they go the other route. Instead of taking it moderately, they try to make up for lost time by just taking a boatload of stuff. And then they, they end up being ill, you know, and not getting the results they want in the first place as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's these fake natties, it's, especially, especially, like you said, especially in America, it is, it is, um, it is a problem. It is a problem. Do you know what? If you go back to Daylin Bailey, do you remember there was a time when she was like the number one fitness person on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. And she's almost disappeared now, hasn't she? Someone told me that she, well, because... she had a bit of a breakdown. And so they, they gym tanked. Like their business went a bit wrong. So they had to sell everything up and they moved to like Colorado. And now if you notice, mm. she's a lot smaller. Her husband's a lot smaller. Something mm. happened where they were like, yeah, we're drawing attention to ourselves here. And I think people just, you know what happens when you start perpetrating a myth, people will interrogate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and I think, you know, the, the public at large, I think a lot with a lot of these, um, also these um, channels on YouTube that dissect Natty or not, like uh, more plates, more dates, you know, yeah. um, like, a, like a Greg Doucette, um these channels are very good at calling out these fake nappies and they do it in a scientific way as well, especially with more plates, more dates. So, and then like you said, also they use the Instagram data of the pictures, you know, befores and afters and the progression and whatnot. And, um, yeah, I think, I think people are getting more clued up now. So as far as Dana Lynn Bailey is concerned, the more she shouts from the rooftops that she's natural, the less, she is being revered and, and, and used um, in the fitness model sphere. You know what I mean? And, and like you said, I've, I've not really, she's, she has really taken a back seat for the longest time now compared to others. So, yeah. Some of these yeah. call themselves natural because they're using um, the topical application. They're not injecting, they're using topical application. So they're like, well, I'm not injecting steroids, am I? You know, are, are, we, are, we, are we playing this game? Is this a game we're playing? Yeah, you, you get yeah. So some people just—I I mean, some people take farms and they'll say, "Oh, well, I'm not—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm still I'm natural because I'm not taking anabolic steroids." But you're still taking something that acts on the androgen receptor, so that's not natural, is it? I mean, you get also people who take things like um, Clomid or Novadex for men, anyway, and that obviously increases your natural testosterone production, and they will claim natty, but. If you're natural, you wouldn't have that normal a test level without that substance. So, no, that's not natural, you know. And and again, I, I I'm not saying you shouldn't be doing that, but you should let people know what you're doing. And and not claiming natural is not the right way to go about it, you know. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of guys. There's Ulysses, for instance, who I actually quite know. I know quite well. He's a really nice guy as well. But he very recently, in the last year or two took the word natural off his profile and I'm glad he did because he's not right you know I mean only an idiot will think he was, he was natural um, and I'm glad he's done that you know and it's, and it's for the rest of them like the simian pandas of this world and whatnot, to do the same because no one's going to think any less of them because despite having to use performance enhancing drugs you still have to do the work people this is what a lot of people don't seem to understand and you know because if, if it was that easy everyone would be popping PEDs like candies and you know be, be sprouting muscles everywhere but it doesn't work like that you know you still have to work hard you know so um, yeah yeah because yeah, there's only a handful of one in a million people by definition 
But if you look on Instagram, it's like <laughs> everyone's become a one in a million physique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, 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 yeah. I mean, that, the proof, that's the proof. That's part of the proof right there, you know? Larry, like, we're of a similar generation. Do you remember when we were young? If someone could bench three plates, right? That was impressive. Oh, yeah. If you could bench three plates in your gym, you could walk around anywhere you wanted. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the young girl? What's her name? Mahalia someone. Wait, there's no. a girl that's 17, 18, right? She benched three 20s and a 10. Wow. I've seen her rep three twenties. What is she? Is she a powerlifter? Yeah, American powerlifter. All looks a bit like like child abuse to me, if I'm being honest with you, because you're giving yeah, someone it, under the age of eighteen anabolics. Clearly, I don't want to hear none of this. She's natural. She's a one. Oh, shut up. Nah, She's not. Nah, no, not nah. at that weight there. Not not with that kind of weight. Nah, that's that's just not possible. That is not possible. I mean, that sounds like another Richard Sandra. Do you remember him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds like another one of those. Uh, yeah, like you said, 100% child abuse. 100%. I mean, like, you got this young black girl, she's surrounded by, by just hillbillies. I'm like, what the hell is this? And you're almost like, where are her parents? In on it, probably. In on it, man. You know? Oh, they they disgusting. think they're going to make a certain amount of money. Um, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's sick, to be honest with you. Again, like I said, with that Richard Sandrak, it was, it was the same thing. His dad was feeding him. I mean, that was even worse because he was, well, I, I presume worse anyway because I don't know what's going on with the 17-year-old. But, I mean, he was taking, he was being force-fed PEDs, you know, before being 10 years old. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah, how, how his parents are not in jail, I don't know, but. It's um, yeah, it's sad. It's it's really sad, man. I mean, they're, they're, you know that that that. There's no call for that. You know, there's no call. Like you said, you called it right the first time. Child abuse. That's exactly what it is. I don't even consider them. You know, um, athletes who should be using PEDs. Their children. So, so you know, that. Yeah. And it's almost opportune that we've given this time because I was gonna say, did you watch much of the Olympics? Because now, now, now that I'm a cynic about doping, I don't watch much of the Olympics. Because I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm, you know, like, there are people on Instagram who can probably do what you're doing now better than you. But I tell you what I did watch, though. I watched that 400 hurdles. Okay. That Norwegian guy smashed Kevin Young's record. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> See, I, I, I'm like you. I, I haven't watched any... Not just Olympics, but athletics. You know, I used to be a sprinter before boxing. Yeah. I, I haven't watched any athletics in years. It just doesn't hold any interest for me anymore. And Ke- when Kevin Young broke that record, I remember watching that race. And when he broke that world record, I thought that's in my lifetime that's not going to get broken. Um, and to to hear that now, that that re- I mean, we, we knew Kevin Young was on top. Um, you only have to look at his coaching staff, but to hear that 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 was broken by a Norwegian no less I mean yeah it is I don't I even mean, think he was in a good lane he just ran and I was yeah because I saw the race I was like ain't no one breaking Kevin Young's record no way in hell and he starts going and I'm looking at the clock I'm like what but he did the yeah. smart thing he didn't do what Van Niekerk did he slowed down at the end he's like hey let me not make this look too hot <laughs> 
<laughs> insane. Like, and this is when you realise commentators are full of just full of bullshit, right? Because I go back to when they said what made Kevin Young unique was that he was six foot four. He had a a twelve stride pattern that changed down to eleven. It's almost impossible to do that. And this Norwegian guy, I think he went from thirteen down to twelve. So I was like, well, I mean, he, he won running conventionally. Yeah, yeah. So it had nothing to do with the stride pattern. Ah, you know? man. I, I, listen, whatever who, whoever his chemist is, fair play. <laughs> fair, fair play because there must have been a genetic component to that as well because I'm like you broke a record that nah like you said you didn't think it would be beaten now on one hand not many people want to run the 4 by 4 sorry not the 4 by the 400 hurdles because yeah. if you're fast you're going to do the 100 or the 200 there's more money in that mm. but still to like that, that record beggars belief and where he's taken so what, it to what, now. What time did he run? Because did he, uh, he didn't. Please tell me he didn't run under forty six seconds. Because if he did that, then no. So I don't, I don't think he did. But like he might have come close. I, you know, yeah. I'd have to Google that. But hey, someone in the Twitter world will tell us. It was definitely forty six something because I know the record Kevin Young did was I think forty six seven nine. Yeah, something so, yeah, like so that. Something with it was a forty six seven. Yeah, he took a yeah. chunk out of that. I swear to God, he and, took a chunk and, out of that. And that's crazy because if you ran, if you ran Kevin Young's world record time for 400 meters, that's just below international standard for 400 meter flat to get hurdles. For 400 meter flat, that's just below international uh, time that you'd be running. That's so, sometimes Dwayne Adesia was running. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So you know, it 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 it. it, it it's mind blowing that these guys <coughs> could run like that with a hurt with with how many hurdles in front of them, and, and it just makes you wonder if these guys really concentrated on the flat what they'd be able to do. You know, four hundred flat. What would they be able to run? Larry, forty-five ninety-four. Oh my god! Oh my. God. <laughs> that's the new 400 hurdles world record and you're going to tell me and people are going to tell me that's clean are you nuts what did Ladeja win the Commonwealth Games at like, he might have won that in the 45s yeah I think probably, oh, that was a long time ago I think even, oh. like yeah. do, you, do you remember like in the in the dark days of British sprinting in the 400 well, we had Akabusi running the like with a third leg in the four by four, and you had Grimley, yeah. Black, Ladeja, and we were rubbish at the four hundred. And those mm. guys were winning mm. like the, the three A's title in like forty five twenty four. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's jumping over things and running for forty five, and you're going to tell me that's clean? This, uh, this, this is why I don't. You know what? I used to agree with. Um, because you know, do you remember the old East German world record yeah. uh, that was set, and they were saying, "Oh, we're going to get rid of some of them." I think they did get rid of some of them because they were saying, "Okay, we've we've got evidence that you know they were using drugs and blah blah blah." Uh, and I was in favour of that at first, not not because I'm against them using drugs, but just to just because it was known if that's if if, if you're going to go by um, you know it, it, it was known that they were using drugs. 
So you want to give other people a chance to set world records, cool. But then I thought to myself, you know what? Especially with what you've just told me now, everyone's using drugs covertly, and 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 they all know about it. Um, you know, so then it's not fair to to, to, to get rid of these world records because everyone's using drugs. And in fact, people got better protocols now, as well as better training methods than they did back then. So it's just. You know, if you can't break the world records from back then, then you're doing something wrong, basically. That's how I see it now. 100%. Um, I think there's an honest discussion that's needed now. And we need to start asking the paying fans, do you want... Let's just get rid of WADA and let everyone just go as hard as they can. I've said this to you. I think I said it in the first one we did. And I've said it to you privately. And I've said it to loads of people. and And I'm saying it again. We... I, I, believe, I 100% agree with you. We need to get rid of WADA. I think what we need to do now is do what Charlie Francis, Ben Johnson's coach, always said. You test these athletes for a position of health. So you, you test their health markers. If their health markers are not right, then you ban them. And Because remember, the ethos of this whole drug testing was to, one, level the playing field, and two, protect the athlete's health. It's not doing any of that. The playing field now is totally out of whack because um, this guy can afford to get a doctor, I can't, or this guy can afford to hire a pharmacist to make a designer drug, I can't, you know. It, and, and even if you take the drugs out of it, it's never fair because this athlete has more money, he can go to warm weather training, he can afford a hyperbaric chamber, I can't. It's never fair. So that's nonsense, first of all. Then you're talking about the health of the athlete. Well, if the athletes are overdoing their performance-enhancing drug protocol or taking more dangerous performance-enhancing drugs to beat drug tests, you're not taking care of the athlete's health. Therefore, if you're letting athletes take what they want and then um, measuring their health markers before any event, and if those health markers are not in line, you know, then they're banned. That is the fairest way to deal with this. That is 100% the fairest way to deal with this. Or they can even say this. They can even say, okay, you're only allowed to use the hormones um, that are naturally in your body. So that's your EPO, your testosterone, and your growth hormone, which anyway, most athletes are doing because that's how you get past drug tests. Um, that, and that's what most, yeah, most athletes in the know are using those three uh, substances in varying degrees anyway. So... You know, it, 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 it's a no-brainer. They're like, WADA are there, and that includes UK anti-doping, that includes USADA, they're all part of WADA. They're all there to get money because everyone knows they are not effective. It's as simple as that. You know, they are not effective. So, and when they catch a big fish once in a while, like a Canelo or whatnot, it gets swept under the carpet, they get a little slap on the wrist, and basically they get told in the air, don't get caught again, mate. No, that's called kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and actually they happen to land a big fish like yeah. that. And you know they get pissed off when they land one with like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Because because they're, the big fish are the ones that's bringing the money to the sport. Um, so they can't afford it's, it's like when Carl Lewis got caught. They have to keep that on the carpet. You know, and, 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 and then it's coming out years later after he's retired that he got caught. Well, it's a bit late now, isn't it? You know, but he was getting on these hypocritical rants about Ben Johnson when he was doing the exact same thing. But isn't that always you know? the case, right? The, the the ones with the most to hide are the first ones with the opinions. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. That's what 100%. I say to people, and that's why that, that's why I've always respected Limford. Limford just got on with what he had to do. He never, he never. Even I remember when they interviewed him um, about Ben Johnson, um, and he was like, "Listen, I'm I'm not here to judge anyone. I'm just here to, to, to do what I, I I I'm here to do. You know, if he felt that's what he had to do, then that's what he had to do. You know, that's not my call to judge him. I, I I've always loved Limford, man, and I loved him even more when I heard that. You know what I mean? And obviously, he was aware of what he was doing, and it's, it's what the sport requires. You know, it's. it's so you don't jump down someone's throat just because they got caught because you don't know when it's going to be your turn, you know? Yeah, and and the thing is, to get to that level now, I'm not trying to hear this, yeah, I did it all on genetics. It de- the, the routines are too hard, man. The training regimes are too hard for the average Joe off the street, even if he's got amazing genetics. For him to try that, it's not possible. Mm. You know, I see some of these workouts where people will say, yeah, you know, I have to do five by five deadlifts with 220 kilos. And that doesn't sound like a lot of work, right? Until you have to move that thing once. Mm-hmm. And you suddenly realize after doing it 25 times, man, you feel like you're drowning. <laughs> Spoken like a man that's experienced <laughs> Yeah, you, you, but you know that feeling, don't you, Larry? You know, you've done a lot of volume and your whole body just feels like it's full of water. You're like, <laughs> what do you? Yeah. Then they, you're like, I see why they take the stuff now because, whoo, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I I I spoke to a friend of mine who I'm not going to name. Uh, he's not an athlete, but he um he was old. He, he was obese. Uh, he was, you know, not doing well. He uh, you know, he was suffering from depression. Uh, he wasn't doing very well, basically. So I outlined a protocol for him um, with, a, with a doctor's supervision uh, to, to, to up his test naturally. Oh, no, not naturally, but with uh, some, some clomid that, that is prescribed to uh, increase their testosterone levels. And also the doctor recommended that he, to help him lose weight, go on some uh, small dose of growth hormone. So this was a very progressive uh, doctor. And in a matter of a few months, this guy was a completely different person. Completely different. His mood, his attitude. It, it, was, it, it was literally like a different person. I mean, this is a person that was really depressed. And, 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 and now he's got such a zest for life. And he's like, and he's like, why don't they give this to all, you know, everyone that's depressed? And I'm like, well, there you go. That, that's a good question. You know, and he asked his doctor this. And, and his doctor was like, yeah, I mean, it, it, it would it would be a good candidate for people who are depressed, but for one reason or another, uh, the medical establishment don't want to advocate these, these substances for that. You know, you know what uh, that is, don't you? Uh, what, 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 why do you think that is? Doctors hate it when something comes to them and they don't discover it. So if right. you think about, and we'll, we'll come onto this in more depth later, but if you think about like the whole biohacking and self-medicating realm right now, right? Because essentially we're crowdsourcing new solutions to problems. Mm. So a lot of that is, a lot of this knowledge is coming from people doing it in the real world, going, actually, if you take the, the, the these substances in this combination, it can elevate your mood. Like people who are infertile, like men who are struggling with low sperm counts, 
there's all number of protocols out there that you can boost your 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 sperm count and your sperm motility with loads uh-huh. of them because guys uh-huh. went out in the field and experimented doctors hate yeah. that yeah you know in the same way yeah. when do you remember two years ago when people were saying look if you can take some quinine and some zinc you can stave uh-huh. off this covid and doctors were like no 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 you can't do that uh-huh. it's like but you guys were recommending that stuff for like malaria yeah it's like, well, well, that was just for the dark-skinned people. Do you know what I mean? Like, but you know, so when doctors hate it when people come at them with solutions. It's, it's a weird yeah. thing about them. They, they almost think they're the guardians of everything health-related. Yeah, yeah. And that's why we need more pro- progressive doctors like the doctor that helps my friends, you know. Um, they're few and far between. So if you do find one, you know, hold on to them. <laughs> yeah, by know? all means. <laughs> Hey, listen, man, they're probably out there helping footballers and rugby players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but exactly. I was going to say, though, on a side note, have you been following these bodybuilder deaths? Sorry, say that again? Have you been following these bodybuilder deaths? So guys like uh, Boston Lloyd and just, just passing away, like, on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. I, I, see... This is, uh, yeah, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. And, and there's a lot of female death, there's a lot of female bodybuilders death in there as well, um, that I've noticed as well. But you see, here's the thing that a lot of people, including especially doctors, will not want to admit to. There's responsible PED use and there's irresponsible PED use. And again, if people look into um, channels like More Plates, More Dates, uh, he, he is a very big advocate of responsible use. So there's a lot of ancillaries that you need to use if you want to use performance enhancing drugs, especially if you want to use them in a sport like, say, bodybuilding, where you've got to use a substantial amount. So there's things like to control your blood pressure, which is the biggest killer, Telmasartan, which is a, a very um, accessible drug. I mean, it's prescribed all the time by doctors to control blood pressure. And it's a very effective medication. You know, that, that's one of the biggest ones um, that people should be looking at if they're going to use performance and awesome drugs. Then there's also uh, the possibility of using statins to control your LDL levels, you know, um, to, 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 to prevent heart attacks and stuff like that. So th- those are the two major ones. So those are the two major effects of... Um, of uh, of why these why you know performance enhancing drugs use some uh, why these guys are dying because if you don't control your high blood pressure, it not only does it ruin your kidneys, but it also causes cardiac remodeling because of the amount of pressure on the arterial walls. So then the heart starts starts to take on a different kind of shape, it gets thicker in certain parts. It shouldn't be getting thicker, and eventually that's what leads to a heart attack. And uh, if if a lot of these guys were, were were doing that and just using these ancillary drugs, which which don't cost anything, and you can easily get it prescribed by a doctor now if you have um, high blood pressure or um, high LDL count, um, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be dead right now. But unfortunately, a lot of these guys don't don't their health is secondary. You know they they they. Their performance is first and their health is secondary. And that's a dangerous, dangerous mindset to have. 
Because as you saw with Boston Lloyd and even Rich Piano, they were just doing all sorts of nonsense. Like it was, I mean, Rich Piano was snorting his pre-workout with uh, recreational drugs. I mean, what, what? Why would you think that was a good idea? You know. And then Boston Lloyd was just taking everything under the sun. Obviously, he didn't have very good genetics, but he took everything under the sun, and that's such dosages that you know other bodybuilders would win. Other bodybuilders doing, you know, similar things would win. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's I think it's just, and then we've, we've now got the first, like, like a, a recent Mr. Olympia in Sean Molden dying of a heart attack, you know. Um, yeah, these guys, these people just need to really take stock of their health. And you've got a lot of bodybuilders as a consequence now downsizing. And a lot of them are questioning, you know, why they're doing this because they're seeing all these bodybuilders drop dead. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, listen, like I said, it's responsible use. Like, think about your health first. Yes, there is responsible ways of using these things, but as with anything, you know, you use it irresponsibly and then you're going to see the, the consequences. It's mad, Larry, because I, I see bodybuilders the same way I see boxers. Like, they come from the same place but express it differently. Once those guys mm. get to about 18, 19 stone, they feel no one's going to mess with them. So that, that muscle becomes a suit of armor. Mm. And so I, I've, with me, when I see guys like that, if I'm on holiday, if I'm in the gym, if I see them and they try and intimidate me, I know hand on hand, I'm like, this guy's got no heart. And, I, I, and I'm mm. one of those, oh, okay, let me just keep peeling these layers away until we find out who's that inner child that he's trying to protect. It's the same in boxing. You train these kids. I don't care what area they come from. Hackney, Brixton. They all talk tough. Until you're stood in front of them and you're not going anywhere. And all the little mm. confidence tricks they have don't work. And then you see the truth. So a lot of these bodybuilders, they never downsize because they're scared of being small again. Mm. Mm. But, but listen, when have you ever seen a 20 stone pensioner? You, you don't. No. You mean no. small people live long. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's uh, that, it's been studied very well. It's a, because at the end of the day, what people need to understand is whether you're 20 stone of muscle or 20 stone of fat, your body just sees you as 20 stone. Yeah. You know, in fact, there's arguments to say the 20 stone of fat is even healthier because if you've got 20 stone of muscle, you're going to have to feed that muscle with lots of blood. And if you don't have, you know, if your body's not good at, um, making extra capillaries and whatnot to feed that muscle, feed those muscles, then it's not going to go well for you, you know? Um, so yeah, it, as you said, it, it, you know, the bigger, the bigger you are, the more susceptible you are to dying early. It's, 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 it's a fact. It's a fact. It's a, it's, it's a fact that you cannot get, you know, you can't get away from and it's all about mitigating it. And, um, you know, a lot of guys have been very good at mitigating it. Uh, because they're thinking health first. And a lot of guys haven't been good at mitigating it because they didn't give a crap about their health and all they thought about was being big, being as big as possible and staying big no matter what. Like you said, you can't... You know, even, I mean, there's, look, listen, there's lots of bodybuilders in their 50s that are still doing this thing, but a lot of them are doing it responsibly, you know. Um, a lot of, like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are using TRT, you know, testosterone replacement yeah. therapy, and then, and then in between that, they'll go on a little blast, you know, to keep, creep up in size. 
go back and they see RT. They, and, they, and they always get themselves monitored. And like you said in the beginning of this, it's imperative for people to get their blood work. Not just their blood work, but their organ imaging as well, which is people don't think about. They need to get their, their heart, their, their, their lungs, their kidneys, their, you know, their liver. They, have to, they need to get those imaged, you know. Um, and I know it's a lot of hassle, but if you're going to indulge in these things, this is what you have to do, you know, to stay healthy. And, um, yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of guys just don't want to do it. A lot of guys don't want to do it, you know. And like you said, it is 100% exactly what you said. It's a security thing, you know. They've got a lot of guys have gotten big, uh, because they have insecurities. They were bullied or, you know, they were skinny and whatnot or they didn't get girls because they were skinny or whatever. And they've got the size now and that's their security blanket. That's, you know, um, and that's that you know, that gives them their security and so they don't want to lose that. Um and that's why I've got to rate someone like Dorian Yates, who was able to downsize so much. And he explained it, you know, they've been, he's been interviewed so many times and he's just like, Well, right, I came in, I did what I wanted to do and I'm finished with it and so well, I don't need to be that big anymore. What, what was the point, you know? So you know, he downs down, downsized really, you know, tremendously and, and he's living a very healthy life now. But he's still big, though. He, he, do you know what? He, he, he looks, he looks, I think it, he looks big because he's still got his definition. But I don't think he's big. He's no, he, he's, he's, he actually looks more like a normal person now. Didn't he say like he was yeah. over 200 pounds, though? I don't think, I don't, I think he'll, he might be close to 200 pounds. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think he's over. I don't think he's over. Because I don't, I think he was, he's about 5'10", 5'11". But he's not a small, small guy. But at the same time, um, I think if he was to hold two hundred pounds, he'd still look like a normal guy in clothes. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. the other area that I look at, Larry, can be honest with you, the other area that, that I look at, I'm like, oh, football is the next one where we're going to have to start doing a deep dive. I tell you, I tell so you what, what confirmed that. Hmm? What did you just say? Football. Oh, right. Oh. Yeah. When I saw Christian Eriksen go down, and I was like, whoo, somebody got the medication wrong. <laughs> that had all the red flags to me. And people, people said, ah, you're just, you're just, I mean, you know, you're suspicious of everyone. And I said, no. I said, Christian Eriksen plays for Inter Milan. Italian football clubs are notorious for monitoring players. Mm-hmm. They will, they will check your heart. They will check everything because they're always looking for those marginal gains. I said he's at a football club that at some point would have had to check his heart. If he had a pre-existing heart condition, they would have found it. Mm-hmm. You should not be having a heart attack as a football player that the club is not aware of. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, in that case, what happened? And so I. I, I think that's a combination of performance-enhancing drug use and also recreational drug use. Because as we both know, footballers are one of the worst when it comes to recreational drug use. Um, I had a friend of mine who used to sell the um, the gas canisters to a lot of these footballers. And let me tell you, he made a tremendous amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> He made a tremendous amount of money selling to these football players. I mean, it was his, his clients that were literally exclusively footballers. Um, yeah, they are, and I've heard 
that there was a doctor who then who who jumped from football to the cyclist, the British cycling team, who used to push, who used to sort out all the footballers with their performance enhancing drug needs. And hence, and then he went to the cycling, and then because you know there was a big investigation about cycling not too long ago, yeah. um, the British cycling, should I say? Anyway, and uh, yeah, they found out that this this doctor um, was working for the cycling team for the longest time. So they were like, well, he was known, even though he never got caught, but he was known. A lot, of, a lot of footballers came out and said, yes, he did this, he did that. So, you know, why is he then working with the British cycling team? So, you know, it. Football, football's always it's always been one of the dirtiest sports, but it's just that you don't hear about it because football makes too much money. It just it, there's too much money at stake, way too much money at stake, and uh, and 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 the and the footballers who uh, I mean, you always see footballers get injured and come straight back from injury. That's not a coincidence, you know. There, there's 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 a reason why. You know, and they, they are well looked after by the doctors, uh, and, and, and that's all part of performance enhancing drug protocol that they have to take. But that's why a lot of them go to Germany, for instance, because they know they can get shot up full of the Axel Vagin, which actually isn't banned, but it's a gray area. I mean, it's not a gray area because it's not banned, but people will still frown on you using that, even though it's not banned, which is very weird. Um, but yeah, a lot of the sprinters used to do that as well. They'll go to a certain doctor in Germany and get the Axel Vagin. And uh, in fact, Tiger Woods did that as well, as far as I, as far as I remember. And with the growth hormone, and, and you'll come back from injury in days and for the weeks. You know, um, there's so many substances now. There's, in fact, there's one substance, uh, just to go on a quick tangent, there's a substance called BPC 157, yeah. uh, body protection compound. That That is one of the most healing um, substances known to man right now. You know, that's not banned. That's not banned at all. Isn't it, is it one of the substances under supervision by WADA, though? It might be under supervision now, but that was, if it is, it's only very, very... Yeah. Because, because it, it, and it shouldn't really even be under supervision. If you're going to... Because it, it heals injuries super fast. Super fast. <laughs> you know? I've seen guys, uh, I've seen guys hit ACLs, um, and you know, they're going to be out for six months. And I, and I, and I, and I kid you not, they're back within two months. So is that that site specific or could you just, is it just subcutaneous anyway? It is site specific, but it does get systemic, um, I mean, you try to put, get it at, and at the site, but it will go to systemic at, at, at you know, at a certain point. But yeah, it is, it is, for the most part, it's site specific. And um, yeah, that's, it, it, if, if you're saying that it's under supervision, it's still not banned. So it, people can still use it. But I mean, it's, it's, I mean, this is one of the many things that are still, you know, um, still out there and, and people are using. I mean, there's another one called TB500, which is banned, which is another healing peptide. But again, it can't be tested for. So banning it is irrelevant. Like, when have you... I mean, it's been around for years. How many people have you heard being tested, being caught for TB500? No one. So, you know, it's like when... I remember when they first... Um, it's very similar to when they first banned growth hormone. 
They never caught anyone with growth hormone for years. It's only recently they started catching people with growth hormone. And even then, it's still really hard to catch people with growth hormone. So as long as you don't get tested um, around your time of administration, you're good. Yeah, you could literally have the guy come in and be like, mate, I can't take a pee. You could inject it, sit on the toilet for an hour while he's watching. Well, you have to inject it before yeah. you got there, but you can sit on the toilet for an yeah. hour. It was, it's gone, yeah. and you just go, right, there you go. Yeah, 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 100%, 100%. Yeah, it's crazy, because you know? uh, I, I look at football, and like I said, as a result of the last episode, the stuff I hear in football, that mm. it's, how can I put it? You're never told to do it, but you're encouraged to see Dr. X or Dr. Yeah. Y. Yeah. And then what he'll say is, hmm, so you need testosterone. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you, I don't even know what they'll give you, even if it's the deck or trend, yeah, crash your testosterone production. Yeah, You come back with your test, like they, they'll test you again and go, Oh my God, look how low my testosterone level is. I can't produce any naturally. Oh, okay, we'll get you a TUE. Here's all the evidence uh -huh. we need. There's your TUE. By that point, uh -huh. you reactivate and all that sort of stuff. And then you can just keep taking the stuff for as long as you want. Yeah. And a yeah. lot of footballers have that. Like, look at Liverpool. Like, I'm, I saw the video on Twitter and it was so funny. The guy was saying something like two thirds of the Liverpool squad identified that as asthmatic. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, that is, funnily enough, that happened a long time ago with the Santa Monica Track Club as well. Uh, in the eighties, with Carlos Carl and Father, they they, they were all um, yeah, Leroy Burrell, all of them. They were all like that as well. They were all had asthma. They all had braces on, which we know because they, they were taking growth hormone. Um, you know, it, it was just ridiculous. Like, and you know, just to sit like, what is it? What is it that they say? It's only like seventeen percent of the public have have uh, asthma, but yet seventy percent of the Liverpool football team has asthma. Like, what, what, yeah. are we trying to find athletes here or what? Like, it's, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And I think the, they did the same study for the cyclists as well. I think they had a whole load of people who had asthma as well for yeah. a sport that you need great stamina for all these people have asthma now like and heart conditions just, and high blood pressure right 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 this just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense at all do you know when i was a at kid all. larry i always wanted a santa monica track club t-shirt do you know when you'd see that top yeah. and you're like that like that's that was the coolest top in athletics it was it was. And all the fastest guys in the world were from there, you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, it, yeah, 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 100%. I, I definitely want one. <laughs> I, I miss those days of those sort because no one really has that anymore. They're not, you don't really get the track clubs. Nah, nah. On a side note, have nah. you seen this young girl? Like, you know, I don't know, I, I, I may cause controversy here, right? So there's a white girl from the University of Kentucky, Larry, right? Mm -hmm. I think she's running in the NCAA 4x400 Okay She takes the baton She's fourth Like she's losing 25 to 50 metres On the two ladies in front Like remember this is You know it's sprinting So it's a virtually all black female field right mm -hmm. This white lady I think it's Abby Shields is her name 
I've never seen someone run. It looked like like everyone just started running backwards. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, if they've got her on stuff, you couldn't even tell. Mm. No musculature to speak of, nothing. This girl looked like the girl that would serve you in Tesco's. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. I was like, whatever vasodilators and EPO and stuff they put into her? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's, she's got Dr. Wheatos or something. She's got a hell of a chemist there. <laughs> well, you see, this is the thing as well. Like, a lot of people assume, oh, you have to be, you know, bristling with muscles to, to, to be, oh, yeah, he's on, he or she's on performance and other drugs, not so. I mean, even, even sprinters. How many sprinters have we seen? I mean, I mean, Usain Bolt wasn't the most muscular guy. Do you know what I mean? Um, compared to some of the other sprinters. Uh, and look what he did. You know, and you look at some of the, I mean, the, the, the cyclists, they're on a boatload of stuff. In fact, I would argue that cyclists are even on more stuff than bodybuilders. And yet, look how skinny they are. You know, it's, um, it, 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 it doesn't, it doesn't correlate that, oh, you know, you have lots of muscle mass, so therefore you're on PED. So it doesn't always go like that. It all, all depends on, specific needs of the sport and then on top of that it all depends on people's uh, genetic response as well yeah you know but i mean like with sprinting like 400 meters for instance because that's a long sprint uh an epo would be just as advantageous as any anabolic steroid would be and especially yeah. for a woman who doesn't want to suffer any uh, androgenic effects you know, uh, male characteristics. Or even injecting an ATP. Take, or, or even that. Or, or even uh, L-carnitine. You know, I, 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 I don't know if L-carnitine is now being looked at or is they trying to ban it. But up until very recently, because if you remember, uh, Mo, uh, Mo Farah was using this. This was oh, the all Oregon Project. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, he was using it. Um, so for the longest time, that wasn't banned. But I tell you this now. And I've tried. I've tried injectable carnitine. It makes a massive difference. It, it makes a massive. Don't be surprised if a lot of boxes are on that injectable carnitine. Yeah. I only found out about injectable carnitine after my boxing career. I tell you what, if I was still boxing now, that would be one of the one of the one of the foremost things that would be on my protocol. And it's and it's not even really a drug. It's it's a it's an it's an amino acid, just injectable form. Yeah, because I think but it makes up. Sorry, I was say, so the wider rules are you can take it orally but mm -hmm. not in injectable form so that must that must, they must have just changed that very recently I think they yeah. got wise to it and that must be because of the Oregon project thing so they've, yeah. they've changed that within the last few years then yeah and you see, you see what, so once you start talking about stuff like this injectable this injectable that you can even talk about injectable sounds now you're moving into this realm where people are like, oh, I'd never thought of it like that. Because a lot of people just think of it in terms of steroids. It's like, nah, nah. There are a lot of clever people reading a lot of research and they go, okay, we can do it this way. Mm. But it's crazy because... Yeah, I... Yeah, come on, I was going to say, it, it's crazy because when you look at that whole Olympic thing, everyone's just getting smarter and smarter in what they do. Like, we're going to talk about boxing in a second but like if you look at the the young american boxer virginia fuchs who got done for gw 51516 and her ex her excuse if you remember was 
my boyfriend was taking it and I caught it during sex, almost like it was herpes. <laughs> oh, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell? That almost reminds me of, um, I don't know, because you're from my era. Do you remember when Dennis Mitchell got caught? Yes. Excessive testosterone levels. And his excuse was, I drank a whole load of beer and I banged my wife a few times. And that's why my testosterone levels are excessive. That's, that's the kind of stupid excuse that... The <laughs> and it's counter-scientific as well, if you think about it. Because if you were having that much sex, your prolactin would be through the roof. Therefore, your test would be through the floor. Exactly. Exactly. But then moving on to this girl that you said, because I don't even know who this is, but she's saying so she caught it through sex, right? Through sex. And she got done for letrozole as well. Well, there you go. So that, so her, her boyfriend was taking a breast cancer drug and a psalm. What doctor prescribed this exactly? Thank you. Thank you. It was utter nonsense. Utter How do you prescribe? Because she said it, the doctor prescribed these substances. I'm like, well, one of them's a research chemical not suitable for humans. Which, yeah, which no doctor is going to prescribe. Because like you said, it's a research chemical. And the other one's uh, a breast cancer drug. Like. Yeah, letrozole. I don't even know why she'd be using that because I know why men use it, but why she would, I mean, she, she could be using it if she wanted to bring down her body fat levels because obviously it helps with that. Uh, but it'd be a harsh way to do that for a female. A lot of women do that. So a lot of women go anti-estrogen. They don't even go inhibition. It's full estrogen block. So they can yeah, cut weight. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, to do it acutely, might not be too dangerous, but to do it chronic, chron- you know, chronically, um, it, it, it's quite dangerous for a woman, anyway. Um, a lot of the stuff like, is. Yeah, yeah, but again, you see, who's advising these people? Because you know, G GW five zero one five one six, or otherwise known as cardery, it's a it's an okay enhanced endurance enhancer, but it's nothing special, and furthermore, it's easy to test for. So I don't understand why people will be using any psalm for that matter. It's all easy to test for. Psalms are easy to test for. The only reason psalms were popular was because at one point they couldn't be tested for because they were like a designer drug. No one knew about them. Only the athletes who were using them knew about them. In fact, um, they were popular among athletes in the 2008 Olympics. That's when a lot of people, I'm not going to mention any names, because we don't want to get sued. But <laughs> yeah, I think you know who we're talking about. Um, a lot of athletes are using this because they, they, they weren't tested for because they didn't know anything about them. And then obviously after that Olympics, they did start to find out about them and develop tests for them. Um, but yeah, some are, you know, there's, there's no point in using them. I don't understand why people are getting caught with some. If, if you are a tested athlete, I don't understand why you would use some. I don't even understand you, why you'd use psalms if you're male. If you're female, I can understand very much why you'd use, why you'd use psalms. But for a male, it, it's not that effective. And, and, and also, it lowers your testosterone levels. So yes. it kind of defeats the purpose. You so, know? So um, here's the thing. My theory on it is people are scared to pin. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are just scared to eject. But then you can take oral anabolic steroids. You could, I mean, there's many oral anabolic steroids like, you know, anaphalon, you've got oxandrolone, you've got cyanobol, you've got 
uh, winstrol. There's many oral anabolics. So why would you use Psalms as a man? Uh, for a female, I completely get why you use. Well, if you're an untested female, that is, and you don't want to get too too many androgenic effects, I can understand why you use Psalms. But for a male, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and you're right. There, there, there probably is some truth in what you're saying. But then why would you go that route? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's an unintelligent, unintelligent drug use as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, if you're going to take a psalm, you may as well take some testo gel or something, right? Yeah. Six, six. Perfect example. Go on, do that. That would be better. I mean, that would be better for you than a psalm. 100%. But a lot of these people are just, it's just backyard doping. If you look at the people who fail tests, rarely do they have a machine behind them. Mm. Mm -hmm. So there's Virginia Fuchs, the US boxer who fell for letrozole and cardarine. You know that was her boyfriend going, I take this, look what it's done for me, you take it. She's like, yeah, okay. Mm. No real thought to, because you can't can't take something off your boyfriend and go to the doctor, because then the doctor has to declare it. Yeah. So she's got to keep her mouth shut. And then exactly. on the subject of Psalms, you saw that Philip Bowes has been banned for four years for Osterine. And I laughed when yeah. I saw that. Yeah, I, 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 and it's, as I said to you before we started this show, um, I didn't know about that. I actually know Philip Bowes. I actually know him very well. My, he's very good friends with my brother. Um, we boxed together in Repton. Um, so I know him very well. But I, I, don't, um, I, haven't, I don't speak to him very often because obviously we have, we're not in the same circles anymore. But... Yeah. Um, that was a surprising one. I didn't know about that until you showed me that earlier today. And, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, he, I, I read quite quickly that his excuse was that um, it, it was contaminated supplement. And I don't know what to think, man, because to be honest with you, there are, there are I'm not going to lie, there are some supplements that have been tainted with, with farms because they're made in the same factory. No doubt about that. But I think in this day and age, especially with, with the awareness that there's, there is about all this, it's very hard for an athlete to argue that. Yeah. And hence why, hence why he got banned. You know, it, 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 it's, in the, it, it, it's in the athlete's interest to make sure that your supplements are not tainted. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know where, where, I mean, personally, I, I like Philip. And, um, and, you know, me personally, as you know, through my history and whatnot, I've got no problem with people athletes using performance enhancing drugs. That's, that's not a problem for me. Um, so if he felt that he had to use that, fair enough. But he should have chose something more, more, you know, more conducive to what he needs instead of just picking up something that you can get. It's a lot of, see, here's another thing about these times. A lot of reasons why athletes are dying after these things is because you can get them over the camera. Whereas if it was anabolic steroids, you'd have to either go to a doctor or you'd have to go to someone in the gym that you knew. Um, you know, it's not so straightforward. But I, I, I could literally go on the internet now and order Psalms and have it in my house in the next day. You know, it's, it's that easy. It's, 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 it's not it, 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 it's, it's not seen as shady like it is, like some people would think anabolic steroids is, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, you know, it's just a bit of fun. It's almost like that's the that's the mainstream way to dope now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's gonna it's gonna bite a lot of people in the arse who don't have anyone to advise them because like as I said, it's very easy to test for. Um 
and 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 for men, it's not just that it's not it's not effective enough. I mean, it, it, you know, anything that lowers your testosterone levels but can't replicate the effects in the body of those testosterone levels is not going to do you any good. And I know there's many many farms which vary in strength, but I mean, as far as I know, the, the strongest farm right now is S23, and even S23 doesn't have the androgenic capability of testosterone. Which means that even if it, uh, even when you take it and it uh, brings down your own testosterone levels, it, it's not going to replace the androgenic effects of those of that testosterone. Which means you're not going to get the benefit. You're going to be lethargic and whatnot, and it's just going to defeat the purpose of using it. And you imagine with someone like Philip, it was like once again another example of just sort of backyard doping. Like someone just said, take this. You jump on a forum and it says, mate, zero side effects, take it for as long as you want. Which is never the case, by the way. Like, once you start playing around with your body's pathways and stuff, you start messing up with feedback loops. Because a lot of times you don't know what this is going to hit. Like, no one knows with 100% certainty every pathway Osterine hits and then every follow-on pathway that those pathways hit. Yeah, yeah. And hence why you said at the beginning of all of this, and, and we'll keep reiterating it for everyone, if you are going to go down this path, blood work is a necessity. I mean, I would even say even if you weren't using uh, performance enhancing drugs, blood work, especially when you get to a certain age, like I'm over 40 now, I would I would say I, I get blood work very regularly, um, I, at least twice a year, if not more. But I, I get blood work to make sure everything is still A-OK. So even if you're not using performance-enhancing drugs, I would recommend blood work. But if you are going to use performance-enhancing drugs, even if you're doing a TRT uh, thing, um, I mean, obviously, if you're doing TRT with a doctor's supervision, your doctor will be doing that for you anyway. But, you know, a lot of people don't, because the NHS is rubbish when it comes to that. A lot of people are doing their own TRT, so they're not getting doctor supervised. And so, therefore, they're not, they're not getting their blood work, blood work done. And, you know, it is, I know if you get it done privately, it costs a little bit, maybe a couple of hundred pounds, but it is, it is worth it. It is worth it because, as you said, there's so many things that's going on in the body. And if, especially if you're not on top of your health to begin with before you start this stuff, you don't know what it's doing. You know, you, you I mean, for instance, people go on testosterone and they haven't had blood work beforehand. So they don't know that, for instance, they have a high hematocrit level. So if you've got a high hematocrit level and then you're pumping testosterone, even if it's not a lot of testosterone into your system, that hematocrit could jump too high and then all of a sudden you have a stroke, which could have been prevented, you know, if you knew what your hematocrit was beforehand. But it's crazy. That's why, like, you know what? When I see certain people around boxers, it worries me, but it also at least reassures me that well that's a guy who kind of knows his stuff right and you know who I'm talking about the the ex-runner mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know we, we, we won't mention names this time because that that made it hot for me last time <laughs> <laughs> me too bro me too <laughs> but you didn't no really you didn't fun. really throw anyone under the bus though I did I took no I, took, I, did, I didn't yeah no you're right you're right you're right I did because there was a name that was given to me afterwards right and because he's one of my heroes, like I, I can't even bring myself to say it. But the guy who told me was like, nope, I know for absolute certain that between this period and this period, he was on everything. 
Mm-hmm. One of the British boxing greats. Mm-hmm. I'll say no more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On the other subject of British boxing greats, you seen Ricky Hatton's weight loss? Have I seen Ricky Hatton's what? Sorry, his weight loss. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, <laughs> Ricky Hatton. Ricky Hatton. I remember when I got caught, and uh, he was quick to pipe up and say some crap, and I, I, I really wanted to throw him under the bus, look. I mean, I, I, I would, I would go, I would, I would go into detail about what he was doing, but as I've, as I, as I've mentioned many times, Ricky Hatton is known in his in his in his in his career to to, to use performance in Austin drugs. You know, he was actually caught twice. We that I know of. You know, but he obviously was swept swept under the carpet, and and that's a name I don't I don't mind mentioning because people, a lot of people know about this already, and I've got. Got no loyalty to to the person, so um, yeah, yeah. Ricky Hatton, he knows what he has to do, you know, to lose the weight at his age, especially. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because that's another thing a lot of people don't seem to understand. Like they can say, "Oh yeah," but he knows what he what he he knows how to lose weight and blah blah blah. Yeah, he might not have to lose weight, but the older you get, the much harder it is to to, to do it without any substances. So, you know. Um, you know, when, when when a guy can get down to what he... And, you know, uh, let's be honest, Ricky Hatton has not lived the healthiest lifestyle since he retired uh, from boxing. <laughs> That's why he got so fat, you know. And we're not just talking about food either. We're talking about recreational drugs and whatever else, you know. So for him to, to, do, to, to lose the weight that he lost, you know, obviously he's had a little bit of an assist, assistance. And, and, you know, well done to him. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just, I'm just stating facts. That's all. So what's going to be interesting is his exhibition has been pushed from the 2nd of July to November. So let's see if he maintains uh-huh. this new, this new slimline physique until then. Oh, he will. He will. He, 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 you know, he knows what he has to do. <laughs> he no. knows what he has to do. Well, you'll see him blow up. Watch August time. You'll see Ricky Hatton with that round face. And then you think so. Yeah. You don't think he's going to maintain it. He, well, if, if he could, he would have done for, for ages. Right. <laughs> He would have done. Mm. You know, like, you look at Carl Froch and you're like, you know, there's a guy who's always kept himself in shape. David Hay always kept himself in shape. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, they're guys who just, partly genetic, partly lifestyle, they can keep themselves in shape. Ricky Hatton's not one of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's not. Like, Mike, you know, when Mike Tyson did that exhibition. (laughs) Mm. And Mm. you just knew, you knew he was smoking hot. (laughs) Ah, <laughs> uh, Mike. Mike, do you know what though? Mike's managed to keep keep keep, keep in shape. You know, he's man. Obviously, we know he's had assistance as well. We're not we're not silly, but uh, you know, he's managed to keep it keep keep you know keep it going, which is good. Which is good. Yeah, look, whatever people say, as you get older, cardiovascular fitness is a good indicator of your life chances. Yes, hundred percent. Just doing cardio is good for, for longevity. The, you know, the, the gym's good for being able to do stuff as you get older, but mm-hmm. cardio is good for getting older. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, 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 it, you need both. You need both. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so, I mean, it's, 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 there's so many studies now that show that, you know, the more muscle mass that you have, 
you're more insulin sensitive, you know, which helps with so many other things as well. But as you said as well, um, the cardiovascular health, obviously we know it helps with, uh, you know, you, you know, your strokes, risk of strokes, risk of heart attacks, um, your, your cholesterol levels. Also helps with uh, insulin sensitivity, um, so prevents diabetes and whatnot. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's all it's all a, a, a you know it, they all go hand in hand with each other. But yeah, you need. I, I think I, I, I think that do you know what the older you get, because there's more studies that because like my mum is almost seventy now, and I'm trying to get her into. Well, she does go to the gym, but I'm trying to get her to do more weight training because obviously they, they there's plenty studies that show that. The older you get, the more muscle mass and bone mass that you lose. And to reverse that, you need to do resistance training, weight training. So everything has its place, you know. Um, there's, you know, there's that side of things. But like you said, there's also the cardiovascular side of things as well because that's the, the, the you know, the, the systems to, to malfunction if you're not doing your cardio as you get older. So, yeah, yeah. It's also, I don't know if you've been seeing this on Instagram, but you see a lot of these ladies in their 60s now. Mm. Pull-ups. Yeah, yeah. Repping on the pull-ups. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they um, these, these are the ladies that are probably on the farm. <laughs> oh, they're probably on the testo gel. They're like, oh, I've had my kids, whatever. Well, you, you know, you know, see, farm would be great for those kind of ladies because those ladies, like farm, especially the not so strong ones like your osterine, um, they don't have androgenic effects. Or if they do, they don't have it to a large extent. So a woman won't have to worry about getting male traits with something like osterine, for instance. So that, that would benefit a woman greatly you know, without, without having to worry too much about side effects. And even though testosterone is natural, um, you'd have to have, you'd have to have an expert there to know which kind of dosing, especially with the gel would be good for, for a woman. Otherwise it could go out of hand, whereas you won't have to worry about that with the farm. But yeah, I, I would wager that a lot of, um, a lot of older women now, as you said, uh, on Instagram doing their fitness stuff, they're using these things because, there's been an influx of them lately. I mean, there was even one, I don't know if you saw her um, a little while ago, but it was this really old white lady. She must have been in her 70s. And they showed her a few years previous when she was fat and out of shape. And, you know, she, the doctor said she, she she's going to die if she doesn't get in shape. And then they showed her a few years later. And she's just muscular, like scary muscular, with definition and everything. I don't know if you saw that. I've seen a few oh, like that. There's a few of them. Like they have these like over sixties bodybuilding shows now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make it up, can you? But you, you know uh, what I did see, Larry. I saw this guy. He's got to be sixty-two or sixty-three years old. Mm-hmm. Did reps, two hundred fifty kilos. On what exercise? Squats. Wow. 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 Just wow. <laughs> you know when That's you... commendable for two things, for two reasons. One, the actual weight, because that's a tremendous amount of weight. But two, the fact that at 62, his hips and knees still hold up to throwing that kind of weight around. <laughs> Bro, that's those Caribbean genes, man. They, 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 they don't fail. 
man, that's 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 amazing. That's amazing, man. But th- uh, this is almost what easy. it's weird, isn't it? That like, so the, the, it's the paradox of doping. The fact that people can take these compounds actually reveals who the genetic freaks are. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a very good point, actually. That's a very good point. Because that guy, sixty-two, you're repping like that. You're you're a genetic freak. Irrespective of the you drugs, are. whatever, you're a genetic freak. Genetic freak, of course, of course, hundred percent. We haven't talked about the elephant in the room. Um, literally, the elephant in the room, Jarrell Miller. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jarrell Miller, Jarrell Miller. I've heard he's a really nice guy, actually. You know, I've heard he's a really nice guy. Um, Jarrell Miller, I just think he's been. I, I think he because he, I heard that he works out in the same gym that Flex Lewis works out in. But I, I hear that he knows Flex Lewis quite well, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't surprise me if someone like Flex Lewis had a hand or he was giving advice to him on what to take. Hence, why he was taking what he was taking because any tested athlete would know that that's not the stuff you would take. You know. Uh, as we spoke about before, you know, cardering is very easy to test for. Yeah. Um, How do you pop twice for cardering? Yeah, for cardering, of all things. You know, it's this, yeah. I forgot you popped twice. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Pop twice. Uh, it's, um, yeah. I mean, he should be, he, what he should be worrying about is losing some damn weight first. You know? He should be, he should be losing some weight. He, it's just, uh, I mean, he's over 300 pounds. I mean, if, if you lost some weight, if you lost about 50 pounds, you know, it, it, it will do his performance a world of good. So much so that you might not even need performance enhancing drugs or certain fights. It, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's what we said like. before. Sometimes as the bigger they are, the more scared they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, that could definitely be the case right here. But I mean, with him, you would think that it, you know, because he's he's fat. Let's let's get it right. You know, <laughs> he ain't three hundred pounds of muscle. He's just three hundred pounds, and he's very fat. You know, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if his body fat percentage is thirty percent. You know, which for an athlete is disgusting. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, he he. I don't know who's advising him, but he needs to swear. He really needs to sort it out. I mean, if you are going to do your your performance enhancing drugs, you need to you need to get a protocol off of someone who knows what they're doing. It's as simple as that. And then, you know that 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 should. I think if any athletes who are thinking about using performance enhancing drugs are listening to this, that's the biggest thing you should take from this. If you are going to use performance enhancing drugs, get advice from people who know what they're talking about. Do not go to any Tom, Dick, and Harry or the biggest guy in the gym or any guy that's got access to stuff. Just, you know, it, it doesn't work like that. If you're, if you're a performance athlete getting tested, you need, to know, you need to know and get advice off of someone who knows how to circumvent testing and who knows what substances to use, you know. Um, and also knows your sport, knows the demands you, of your sport. That's probably right. even more important because I think Jerome Miller's problem is he probably 
took advice off a bodybuilder guy. Oh, you want to get big? You got to do this. As opposed to being around someone who may have helped other athletes in boxing who would have said, actually, drop the weight. Yeah. Take this to improve your muscular contractility so you can actually generate more power. Take this to improve your your neuromuscular transmitters and all that sort of stuff. You know, the things where someone actually knows what you need. Mm-hmm. And he could have got more bang for his buck and probably been harder to catch doping. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But yeah, when you're around people whose sport doesn't even re- require testing, the only, re- the only solution they have is just don't be there when the testers are there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which, which, which isn't always easy. I mean, it might be easier to do that in America um, because I know their testing is not that stringent unless you're with uh, VADA and even then there's ways to get around that. But... Um, yeah, over here you have to you have to give your um, your whereabouts, and they you know, so you, they need they need to know where you are all the time. So if they need to surprise you for a test, they can. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's well, you crazy. just you do what some of these boxers do and go. I want to make it so expensive for you to come and get me. Mm. Like you're going to see my name on the list, see the whereabouts, and go. We ain't got the budget this month. Well, that's why certain people have their training camps uh, out of uh, out of the country, isn't it? We'll, we won't name names this time, but I think we know who we're talking about. Certain people fought <laughs> recently for the heavyweight title. <laughs> and you know, in a way, but, that's why I give Joshua credit, right? And when, this is one time I'm going to just tip my hat off to AJ. Never, uh-huh. never rescinded his license. Keeps he stays licensed as a boxer, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. has his training base where everyone knows where to find him. Even the university students know where to find him, as we found out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's always available. Now, mm-hmm. whether you can have a diktat that says, uh, how about we just leave him alone? I don't know. Yeah. But I've heard things to the effect that there's a list of people that you can will not bother. Yeah. Because it's uneconomic yeah. to do so. As they found yeah. out with Dillian, it gets very expensive when people lawyer up. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the, I, I suspect that's what they've done with Andy Joshua. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they are testing him, but also he has great protocol. I mean, he's got the money to be able to hire whoever the hell he wants to be able to make sure that he passes any test, but it's either one of the two. It's either one of the two. But yeah, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, the cash cows of the sport, and this goes to any sport, are not to be touched. Or, or if they are tested, they're tested in a way that everyone knows, uh, you know, that they should be able to pass. Yeah. You might just um, get a text message that says, listen, make sure the laundry's clean on Wednesday. Right. Something as cryptic as, yeah. It's as simple as that. Simple as that. You know, it's, it makes me laugh when I go back to the Manny Pacquiao uh, Floyd Mayweather fight when he was caught using over 50 mil of uh, liquid IV, which is against the rules, which is a doping violation. And what did they do? They swept that aside and said, "Yeah, we don't, we don't class that as a doping violation." When in the rule book, it's quite clear that that's a doping violation. 
But they're like, yeah, yeah, we, we don't we don't recognize that in Vegas. Oh. How much money do we lose if this fight's cancelled? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the hell no. Yeah, that's that's money talks at the end of the day. That's that's money talks. And that's what people money need to realise. As much as they want to say their hero's clean, your hero just hasn't been caught. Yeah. Or yeah. it's been caught, but it's been swept in the car swept. Into the carpet, you know. It's like you and I talked about this. Where it's like, if you look at the UCAD list, the number of rugby players who aren't professional that fail drugs tests, and they they fail for like in dust, like real barnyard drugs, like nandrolone. Do you know what I mean like real caveman drugs? And you're looking, <laughs> and you're like, but you guys aren't even very good. Mm-hmm. So what are the good guys taking? Then you know people say, "Oh, he was rubbish, so he had to take drugs to be this good." I'm like, "No, no, his job is very simple. It requires nothing but strength and power." So what uh-huh. have you guys got? You, I don't want to hear this. Oh, he's a genetic one-off. He's not. <laughs> I mean, what are you guys taking? And how are you getting away with it? Right, right. And 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 anyone, well, I know you know this already, but lots of people will tell you rugby's one of the dirtiest sports guys. It's only literally the last 10, 15 years they, they, they stepped up testing for rugby. And, 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 and just like boxing, they've now quelled it down a little bit because they're realizing they're catching a bit few too many people. So now they're, now, they're, now they're directing that testing towards the lower levels, as they're doing with boxing, um, to catch these guys and make them escape goals to show that they're doing something when, you know, you and I both know that that's not the case. <laughs> Did you see the thing about the South African rugby? We were talking about the schoolboy rugby. No, I haven't. No, oh, no. my headline was South Africa has steroid problems in schoolboy rugby. Really? Yeah, they recognise something like one third of South African rugby players are juicing. That, that schoolboys. That, that's, that's probably a conservative number. I, I yeah. think it's more than that. Yeah, and you know, because you see these kids, and you're like, I wasn't like that at that age. Yeah. And I was strong. I know I was strong, but I was never built like that. Mm. But it's, it's like it's like anything. Um, I mean, you look at some of these other sports and where these with the backgrounds of some of these children. I mean, you know, we know how poor a lot of these children are in South Africa, and it's like this is my one chance to get out of the ghetto. Yeah. So I'm going to take whatever the hell I have to take to, 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 to do that. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's the same thing even happens in America with the NFL. The NBA, um, all of that, all, they're all on stuff. You know, from a young age, from high school, they they all want to make the professional teams. They all want to make the the big colleges to, to to get scholarships. You know, so they yeah, they're going to do what they're going to what they what they feel that they have to do. You know, and 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 whether they have to do that at an early age, they, they don't care. That's that's what they have to do. And and you know, when when you see what the you know what the backgrounds of these people, you can't blame them. Can't blame them for that, you know. Um, they're just trying to make it out and, and make a better life for themselves, just like anyone else is trying to. And you know, it's crazy because because I, I look at it when I look at this whole thing, and people ask me to explain doping to them, and I say that like it's a continuum. So if you look at doping 1.0, and it was literally you take stuff that's designed to make you big. That's really all people ever did, right? Pop some down mm-hmm. in a bowl, whatever, and you trained and you ate. And then we hit 2.0, and that was when stuff like growth hormone kicked in. 
and mm-hmm. sort of tail end of 2.0 was with the Psalms and stuff. We're in this interesting phase now because we're somewhere between 2.0 and 3.0, where now it's really about targeting receptor sites, it's about targeting pathways as opposed to just take all of this stuff. Like, there's a real, when you hear stuff being discussed, like, there's a real structure to whatever stack it is you're taking. It's like, right, this is going to work on your your beta receptors on your estrogen, that's going to work on your, your androgen receptors. This is going to stimulate your somatic system. You know where it's really like, with this phase now where people are just trying to say, right, how can we be more efficient with what we're putting into these mm-hmm. athletes? Mm-hmm. And we, which I find interesting. Yeah. And, and you've, we've seen it more as we've sort of broadened out the sports that can make you either wealthy or famous. And, you know, because obviously all of this really started with bodybuilders and American footballers, right? Mm-hmm. But if you look at bodybuilding, now we talked about it earlier. Like the women are, <laughs> the women are on everything, man. Like, like you know, what I mean, you've got women. So there's different levels to it, from what I understand. So, so the newbies, it's like you know, we call them the five milligram girls, right? Five milligrams of Anavar a day or whatever it is they're taking now, and they'll see something, and then mm-hmm. as 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 they grow they realize actually this five milligrams isn't going to get me to that next level. And some of them go to 20 milligrams. Now the thing with Anavas, it's a harsh oral. So a lot of women go, well, how do I get the effects for, for less hassle? And then you start to delve into the low doses of testosterone. This, the thing, this is what happens in bodybuilding. So as you move up the levels, more and more testosterone. And then you see the women who are bigger than you. The ones with the you know the ones with the weird voices? Like, it's almost like it's been dubbed mm-hmm. over by a 14-year-old yeah. boy. Which I don't mean yeah. that disrespect, I mean almost factually. And then they're <laughs> the ones on the Primo and the Tren and the Decker. And you're like... that. I always call that the red zone. Like, once you're there, <laughs> you ain't coming back. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's crazy because... like, And it's all scientific and it's talking about well, actually, you can't just take this. You need to take your insulin to potentiate the environment, make sure you've got all the right things moving at the right speed. All, and so there are people who can really break all of this down to, to a fine art. And you see it a lot with, with CrossFitters. That, that's the sport for me where it was almost like, well, traditionally we make power athletes big. That's what seems to work. But with CrossFitters, you have to be strong and mobile. So they've almost found a, a different sweet spot for the CrossFitters, like, which is also interesting because their testing regime is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Yet they don't, don't you find it weird? I don't know if you go on Instagram and see every CrossFitter has like 100,000 followers. And I'm like, it can't be that popular a sport. <laughs> Yeah, CrossFit's a weird one. I, it, I don't think it is that popular. I, I think it's got its fans, obviously, um, as any niche sport would have. But I think a lot of it is an amalgamation of like bodybuilding fans and you know some other sports fans and you know that that kind of thing. But it's, I, I think it's more of a, a curiosity more than anything. Because, you know, you see these jack girls who look sort of feminine still and it's like, how the hell did they get that? And, you know, and they've got, all got abs, you know, like shredded abs and 
you know, and they're all claiming natural. <laughs> it's, just, it's just comical to me. Um, you know, it, 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 the, the, it, I think I, I, I really take your point on uh, CrossFit, and, and you're right in, in that, especially with the females, how the polypharmacy, to, to keep them jacked the way they are, but to keep them looking female, because they, they actually still look very feminine, I have to say. How they've done that, it, 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 it's, a, it's a very fine art. I, I think that it's a very fine art. So whoever is doing their protocols, is, is, they're, they're doing a very good job, actually. Um, <laughs> I have to say, because the pictures I see of these CrossFit women, I mean, the man, you know, it's not really, it, it, you know, it, it, you, to see a Jack Mel um, doing CrossFit, that's, that's by the by, you know. But to see Jack women, not just being Jack, but being Jack and feminine, it, it, yeah, it's polypharmacy at its finest. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, Although some of them, if you've noticed, Larry, I think some are getting to that line where you're going to hit the red zone. I think there's an Australian girl, what's her name? Tia Toomey. Mm. And I look at her and I go, you can't do this for many more years because at some point, like a lot of these antigenic effects are going to harden on you and you ain't going to be able to roll it back. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's the risk that a lot of these women run when they are using anabolic steroids. And again, that's that. Like I said, there's so many drugs out there now that you, that a woman can use that can imp- increase her performance, and she wouldn't need to use anabolic steroids. Um, and even if she did need to use anabolic steroids, we know so much more about these anabolic steroids now that is there's no. Uh, if, if I ever hear of a woman using Trend and Deca and all of these stupid, stupid drugs that for well, stupid for a woman anyway, I I I I certify I certify them as crazy. Honestly, um, why a woman want to risk her, her health uh, and and her and her femininity for for that is just beyond me when there's so many other choices nowadays. I mean, back in the day, you could say, okay, these are the only choices women have, but, you know, the game has moved on. And uh, there's, there's so many, I mean, this, uh, we spoke we spoke about, uh, uh, just, just, to, just to be generous to people who are listening to this, I'll give you one example of how a woman can improve her, her um, uh, performance without having to use anabolic steroids. So we spoke about how psalms are very effective for women, especially the weaker psalms uh, like osterine, which doesn't cause androgenic effects in women, um, but still acts on the androgen receptor. And then we've also spoken about um, injectable L-carnitine, which um, is a fantastic performance enhancer, even though it's not a drug. It's an an amino acid, but injected, it it increases your the, the, the fat go into the mitochondria for energy. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about, but it's, it's been studied extensively, and you can read about these studies in any scientific journal, it increases androgen receptors. So you could use a very low dose of, of osterine and potentiate its effect by using injectable L-carnitine. To the point where you could get steroid-like effects, but no side effects. So this is all polypharmacy 
that we're talking about, you know. So I've just given them a little tip. I've given the you females who are listening a little tip there. You know what I mean? You're welcome. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's, that's one way of doing things. But there's so many other different combinations and compounds and stuff that women could do that it will not harm them, you know, um, and not, not, not create androgenic effects. But it just seems like women just, or, or women are being, either being advised um, badly or they just take doing their own protocols and they don't really pay any attention to what they're doing. They so, oh, you know. It, just tapping into the sort of bits that I know, and actually one of the things I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed, the size of women bodybuilders who are winning competitions has gone down. So if, mm-hmm. you, if you think back to the days of like Iris Kyle, and Iris Kyle was... She was oh. quite small for a bodybuilder. If you think about it, she'd be on stage at what, 163, 165 pounds? Yeah. And that's, that, there are women walking on there at 180. They're not the most conditioned, but they're walking on there at 180. But now mm-hmm. you've got women going on stage winning bodybuilding shows down in the 150s. Mm-hmm. Which, which is showing you that there's a, there's a definite sea change because those women like Iris Carl. Uh, for anyone who listens to this in America, if you can get to Vegas, have a look at Iris Kyle. If you see her in the flesh, because Instagram hides a lot of things. If you see her in the flesh, like her face is like the moon. Mm. Like it's ravaged. I think she's got fillers in her cheeks and like they've had to put fillers in her face to make it look remotely feminine because it just hardened up. You know, you get the enlarged cheek muscles and all that sort of stuff when you take these yeah. things too long. Yeah, and so yeah. there's a load of them. They think it's her who's had to have that done. There's a lady called Monique Jones who's had to have that done, uh, and then one called I think it's Marvelous Martin. Well, her name was Margie V Martin originally. They've all had to okay. have fillers done because like they've masculinized because they were, oh, they were bang at it. Mm. Like they, they mm. were on those crazy compounds. You know the the the, the uh, I don't want to say male cycles, but almost like male athlete cycle so if you're a non-bodybuilder mm. where you're mm. where you're up into the three grams per kilo of body weight three milligrams wow yeah wow that's that's just and then and that and that's why you're hearing about women dying that i mean because they can't they're doing crazy shit like guys are doing i mean the, the reason why the women have had to downsize is because the ifbb have had to change because women women bodybuilding was dying like literally dying. Um, the only people were watching it were these perverts who they call schmoles, who like who like muscle worship uh, the women. You know, they're, 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 they're these crazy guys who, you know, perverted. Uh, they're the only people that were interested in women's bodybuilding. So what, so, and what, so women's bodybuilding basically wasn't making any money. So basically what they've done now is they don't call it women's bodybuilding anymore. They call it women's physique. And they've downsized them, and they've they've tried to make them look a bit more feminine. This is why um, they don't they don't put so much uh, you don't earn so much points for being in condition anymore, um, and also being too big. And then that's why they've got all the other um, uh, categories below uh, physique. So you've got women's fitness, and then you've got uh, there was another one bikini. That's it. Bikini—that's the most popular one, obviously. 
<laughs> and even those women are using stuff because oh, I know plenty of them. <laughs> even they're using the five, the, the five milligram Anavar crew, as you as you mentioned before. <laughs> even they're using stuff, and it's not. I, 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 in fact, I remember speaking to uh, before I stopped going regularly to muscle work a bikini lady, and she was on like twenty milligrams of Anavar, and I'm like, why? You don't even need sizes bikinis. Yeah, but I need to be shredded, and I need to. I said, listen, you are doing things, but who's advising you? And she was, obviously it was her boyfriend. I was advising her who's a bodybuilder. And I said, listen, you don't even need anabolic steroids for bikini. You don't need anabolic steroids for bikini. If you want to use anything, go and use some. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't need anabolic steroids for bikini. But yeah, so that's, that's uh, re- the reason why they've all, you know, it's, it's all changed now, uh, women's bodybuilding. But there's still, there's still a lot of people I say a lot, but it's, there's a sizable amount of people that want to see women's bodybuilding back. And a couple of shows have actually uh, popped up now where women can get as big as they like. Yeah, have you and, seen the lady uh, that's winning that? There's a lady called Andrea Shaw. Okay. Um, so she was doing women's physique before. And I think mm-hmm. she just outgrew it. Because like we said, man, these guys, they're, they're taking... They're taking crazy cocktails in crazy amounts, right? So there's her. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else was with Heli Trevino? These are all women who, I think they walk around like when they're not competing. They walk around at about 14, 14 and a half stone, mm. still in like reasonable condition. If you saw them in the shops, you'd be like, "Oh, okay, okay, maybe maybe I don't want to have a fight with you." <laughs> but you don't get to that size. You have to remember, like. I remember seeing a picture, and I, I might share it on Twitter at some point. There's a picture of this bodybuilder called Monique Jones from when she did figure till she did women's bodybuilding. And I think she added, like, 60 pounds. I might be, wow. be shooting it. It might be closer to 50. But, like, fundamentally changed who and what she was. Crazy. Mm. But I think we're walking back from that because there's no money in that. What, what women are realizing now is... The money's in that CrossFit look. It's it's, yeah. a, it's attainable, but it's also not attainable. If that makes sense, yeah. But you can try same as for bikini, it. same as bikini. Like all, all the people, all the people that come to watch the women all come to watch bikini because again, like you said, it's attainable, and it's and it's what the guys most guys want. They, they want to see when it comes to females. You know, they want to see some TNA. They want to see some curves and, you know, feminine-looking women. That's, that's what they want to see. Most of them don't come to see the Jack ladies, you know. And it's funny because even the men's um, categories, the, 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 the most popular is classic physique. Because, again, it's more attainable than the open bodybuilding look. Yeah. And the open bodybuilding look is not really as attractive to most people, women and men, as the classic physique is, you know? So, it, it, yeah, it, I, I, I've got a feeling, someone said this to me, I know, it was, no, I read it in, um, no, I think it was one of these uh, podcasts on YouTube that I, I listened to, um, and they said, they reckon within 10 to 15 years, there'll be no more open bodybuilding uh, in, in the men's category. And I, I can see that happening. I, I can see that happening. Because, m- more and more people are not, not interested in open bodybuilding anymore. It's getting to the point now where the classic physique guys are now earning 
the same amount as the bodybuilding, as the open bodybuilding guys, and they're having to take less stuff. So, you know, the open bodybuilding guys are looking at themselves thinking, we're trying to kill ourselves to win these stupid trophies and get these contracts. And these classic physique guys are using a fifth of what we're using and earning just as much or maybe even more money and then earning on top of that money on social media promoting themselves and promoting their physique because that's what people really want to see. Like, what, why are we doing what we're doing? I think you're going to see more of that as, as time goes on. I mean, even the women's open now that they, they're trying to sneak in through the back door, um, that, that's not going to last because there's no money in it and I've been proven. They've had women's bodybuilding, open bodybuilding for ages and it, and it, and yes, you got your you know you got your iconic champions like your Linda Murray, your Corey Everson, um, who are much more feminine and than Iris Kyle, but um, it's just it, it was just going to a point where there was going to be no return, and this is why they had to do what they did. And I can't see them reversing that. I mean, you've got that stupid woman um, who doesn't even compete, um, Natalia Amazonka, they call her the Russian woman. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. She, she's she's like over three hundred pounds. I mean, she's about six foot tall as well, but she looks ridiculous. I mean, she's. I mean, she was part part of the five percent crew, but I mean, she now she now does all sorts of things, including porn and so on and so forth, just to earn money. And it's just like, why? Mate, you know, they all why? do they all do porn? This is something I've also yeah, learned. Yeah, yeah. like they, well, we've. we've with the proliferation of OnlyFans, they all do it now. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. all do porn. So it's almost like female bodybuilding at that kind of open level is literally prostitution disguised as a muscular beauty pageant. That's what it is. Yeah. You Pretty know, much. That, yeah, because <laughs> a few of them used to... Well, when they came to London, they'd train in the gym I used to train at because it was close <laughs> to... Central, close to the hotels and stuff. And that's when you learn about the game. They're like, oh. And I'm like, I'm like, people pay that much? To, to do what? And you're like, oh. Okay. Yeah. It's a crazy world out there, bro. It's but a crazy but, but, world. But you know what, though? But you know what? Me being me, though, I sit there and I go, okay, hold on. So this guy's going to pay her 350 quid for an hour. Okay. An hour's about all you really need with a woman to get your fix. I was like, okay, how many days would it have taken him in any other scenario? I'm like, uh, maybe about four. Pay for dinner four times. I'm like, actually, do you know what? There's an efficiency to it. Not my bag, but <laughs> I can see why people would do it. But it's also quite sad because when you talk to the ladies who do it, it's to pay for the gear. Like, this is weird paradox. Like, they do a lot of it to pay for the gear because if you're taking two slash three IUs of growth hormone a day, like, that's not cheap. That's not cheap. Not cheap. Especially if it's pharmaceutical grade. Yeah. Not cheap. Not cheap. Not cheap at all. Pharma grade test. <laughs> not cheap. Not cheap. You know, I, I, this is why the guys do their gay for pay stuff as well. Uh, Same reason. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I said that do you know do you know King's Gym near Croydon yeah yeah. I was in there once and these guys were making fun of the fact that I carry a few extra pounds and I said in what world does a man need to have a six pack unless he's doing gay porn whole gym went quiet 
<laughs> and I'm looking around. I'm like, yeah, okay. Okay, who who are the guilty <laughs> ones then? <laughs> yeah, that's that that that's yeah. Unfortunately, that's uh, is very prevalent in the men's side of things, you know. Oh man, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sure some of the muscle works guys are bang at it as well. Uh, I'm sure some of them. Well, I know obviously I know a lot of my people, like uh, JD Dawood, who's like an uncle to me. Yeah, he was not interested in it. He because ne- he he never played games. And that, that's why he never played where he should have played in shows. Because um, he was like one of the best British bodybuilders Oh, he's around. one of the OGs. I remember he'd be there. Uh, this is sort of like old school muscle works. It, it would be him training, Ian Wadley. And do you remember Big yeah. Joe, God rest his soul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Those, those were the guys, man. Those were the guys. Like, you know, even now, JD trains like a, like a maniac still, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the JD never played, never played a game. He never, played, he never went to America and you know did the photo shoots again and again and again, and you know kiss kiss the judges' asses and all of that. Uh, he never, he never played the game, you know, um, like a lot of these guys do. And so you knew he was never going to get caught up in that nonsense. But yeah, I'm sure a lot of the muscle work guys did. I'm sure, I'm sure a lot. Of, I know Ian Wadley didn't either because he wasn't interested in that. No, no, no uh, chance in hell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember when like we do deadlift sessions together, and I'm like he's that sort of guy that you wouldn't even approach him to ask that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I can remember once. That's how I got speaking to him. So I'd have been about I was in my early twenties. I was in muscle works. I was deadlifting, and he needed the platform, and he was like. Why don't you jump in with us? I was like, well, how high are you going? He's like, seven plates. I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, let me see how far I can go. <laughs> but I got to, what did I get? I got to, about, I got to 210, and then I had to tap out. I was like, no, nah, I'm not built like you guys. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But after that, we well, didn't call that, that, that good weight as well. 210 is good weight. Well, not in an enhanced era. In an enhanced era, like if you're a man and you're doing less than 300, man, you don't look good on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, they're ladies, man. They're doing they're doing the, the, the insane sets with two forty five. I'm like, what's the world coming to? Two twenty five on a deficit. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, honestly. The hips. What, what I'm seeing on social media now. Although I have to say a lot of them are using fake weights. A lot of them are using fake weights. I know, like, like Christy Hawkins, for example, the, one of the ones I follow, she's on the board. Like, she's done it at meets, calibrated weights oh, okay, at meets. okay, okay, like, But a lot of them, like, Brad Castleberry, fake weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a Brazilian lady as well, something Barbosa, fake weight. Um, you know, some, some woman was trying to convince me she's that strong. I'm like, don't be stupid. <laughs> you know, she's, she's squatting five plates, and I'm just like, the way she was squatting it and the way the bar wasn't bending up and any any OG with weights will know that's fake weights. It's, it's just, yeah. you know, if you've been training with weights long enough, you know when someone's using real weights and when someone's not using real weights. Simple as that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, but, yeah. What, so, when I see all of this and I look at boxing and my thing mm. is, like, doping is mainstream now. People may not talk about it in the pubs and that. Sometimes they do after a few drinks. But, most men under 40 
are taking something. I don't care what it is. You may just be taking a bit of creatine. A lot of guys are taking the orals, you know, a bit of Dynabol. Um, some guys, if they've got the money on the growth, a lot of guys are on the Psalms and the peptides. Doping's mainstream now. And there's no way that this isn't rife in boxing. Like, you know, like, I still keep my toe dipped into the amateur side of things. And I look at some mm. of the kids now, I'm like, yeah, you're cooking with gas. I can see it. You know, especially when you see these ones come from like out of town, like from like Plymouth and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah. But there's no, there's no inspect. Uh, we know testing costs money. This is why that in any sport there's not a lot of testing because no one wants to spend that kind of money on testing, right? Especially when we know it's ineffective. So there's not much money in, in testing. On top of that, how much money does it, does does amateur boxing make to be able to then start paying for testing? Not a lot. So, of course, you're not going to get much testing at the amateur level. So, it doesn't make sense that, you know, it doesn't even make sense for that to be testing at the amateur level because they can't afford testing at the amateur level. They can only test at the big comp. And even then, like, when I was an amateur, I never got tested once. And I, I was at the novices, you know, national novices, you know, I never saw any of my friends who, who competed in the ABAs get tested. So it's like, why Why are we even having testing here? You could be jacked up on all sorts of stuff. And as you said, doping is mainstream now. And, and I think, obviously, um, it, you know, social media has helped with that because everyone and their mother is on, is on, is on uh, Instagram or whatnot posing with their physique or is a is a fitness influencer, a wannabe fitness influencer, and, um, you know, is, is promoting this supplement and that supplement, and then people are now finding out about fake natties and what they could be using, and, 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 and the ease to get stuff nowadays is ridiculous. Like, I remember back in the day when, when, when uh, I was younger and I was first dabbling into this stuff, you had to know, uh, you had to be in the know, you had to be in the circle to get this stuff like it, you know and, and to get in the circle it took you years as you very well know it took you years to get into the circle with people to know where to get this stuff now mm. people people are walking into the gym in their first session on stuff it's ridiculous like there's so many ways to get it even the internet is rife with people selling it you only have to type in anabolic steroids you'll, you'll find 10 sites straight away that, that wants to sell you anabolic steroids and, and for the most part, they're real, you know. So it's it's um, that's the problem. It's, it's it's just too easy to get nowadays, and so that's why you know you you said earlier that it's 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 so proliferated amongst amongst every boxer, you know, amateur and pro. You know, you know what, why would it? You know what they did do, Larry? Once they they tested an amateur called Rosanna Cox, right? Mm. This is one of the maddest stories ever. So, just to summarize, Rosanna Cox comes over here from New Zealand, right? No one knows her. She talks about she boxed in the World Championship in 2014. So, you're like, eh, whatever. Okay, cool. Right? Doesn't really box a lot, but somehow, with no real amateur experience in the UK, she boxes for England in the GB Championship against a woman called Natasha Gale. Natasha batters her from pillar to post. Right? But this girl Rosanna Cox has got a social media profile. You know, mixed race girl, not bad looking, in decent shape, was doing pull-ups and stuff. 
always a red flag to me. There was just something not right about her. So I, I, I know people in New Zealand, right? So I message these people. I'm like, who's this Rosanna Cox? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. She changed the name. That's not, that's not the name we know her by. So you start doing some research. And it's, it's, it all points to stuff that's murky. Now, I can't verify it or not, but it's a red flag to me. So mm. the amateur thing doesn't work for her. And the pro thing doesn't really work out because people don't, don't trust her. She doesn't relinquish her England boxing registration. So she's still registered as an amateur, even though she's going for a pro license. So they've tested her after she's like, I'm not boxing anymore. And she popped for Lasix. Like of all the things, Lasix. Mm. So she got a two-year ban for Lasix. And, I, and so I've got messages on Twitter. Being, guys are like, what is this Lasix? And I said, Lasix is the reason you see bodybuilders have heart attacks on stage. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most violent diuretics you can take. And if you get the dose wrong, it's actually fatal. Yeah. And so your head starts like, why would a... Why would a an amateur boxer be taking Lasix unless you're trying to hide something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's one of the few times UCAD did its job. Yeah. Finally. Yeah. Because mm. people who trained with her were just like, nah, none of it makes any sense. Mm. None of it. She doesn't work hard enough to have a physique like she does. That's what, that's what I was told. She doesn't work hard enough to have the physique that she has. It doesn't make any sense with the words I was yeah. shared with. I was like, okay, cool. And I look at that and I go, if she's at it, there are a lot of these female boxers who are because I'm like, I can't believe some of these women are holding the weights that they are. Mm-hmm. I can't. Like, like you, you're almost looking at them going, your body fat's so low. I don't believe that you're, you're luteinizing hormones and your FSH. I don't believe these, I don't believe any of these things are functioning. At those body they can't levels. be. They can't. They can't be. And that, and, that, and that's the thing about female athletes, you know, who are who are low body fat, um, so so low body fat. They don't even have periods anymore. You know how 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 can your LH your LH and your FSH be be functioning well? How can you have um, mental clarity when your 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 estrogen your progesterone is 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 tanked through the floor? You know. It, it it just doesn't make sense to me, it, and and it you know it doesn't make sense in general, you know, but you can still function and and, and do what you want to do and you know and perform you know fantastically in a sport. It it, it it just doesn't make sense. And as Judge Judy always says, I love I love the Judge Judy. <laughs> if it doesn't make sense, it's not true. <laughs> it's true. So um, yeah, yeah. It, listen, it, like you said, it's always a red flag. Always, you know, especially with the female sprinters, but obviously with female boxers as well, who are very a lot of them are very low body fat, and you see them competing and they're competing well. You know, it's 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 a, it's a big red flag. Like, how can your body be functioning well when you're such low low body fat levels? It just doesn't make any sense. If you're not, if you're so low body fat, and you, and and with a woman, you don't have to be very low body fat to to stop your period. So think about that. If, if, and if you're if you're at that point where your periods are stopped, you are not in a healthy state. Your body is is breaking down, and the fact that you're actually being able to still perform means that something else is alright. You know, so you know, let, let people. Hopefully, people will ponder on this. You know, um, and realize this is why from, from the beginning of. 
sport, a lot of people were against women competing at a high level in sport. This is one of the reasons why. Because they realized that actually, you know, you know, with men, it's a little different. But even to the extreme, like if men take low body fat to the extreme, if they're natural, their testosterone levels go down as well. So it, it, it's not immune to men either. It's just that it takes, it, 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 you have to go to the real damn extreme, which a lot of guys do go to now, especially like, you know, natural bodybuilding and whatnot. If they're trying to diet down or whatnot, um, they are going to take it to that extreme and they're going to tank their testosterone levels. They're going to tank all their LH and FSH to the point where they're just going to feel like dog crap, you know? Um, but it's even more prominent in women because a man can easily hold, a, a, a natural can hold a 10% body fat level um, naturally, whereas a woman can't do that, you know? Um, you would have to have, you'd have to be enhanced to be able to do that. Do you think uh, GB check? Do you think do you think they monitor their athletes? Do you think they check those blood levels to go, what are your health markers? I, I'm going to ask this question because they have a duty of care to do that. Now in the pros, you kind of take, you take your chances, right? But in the amateurs, do they actually check that these women are in a good, healthy state? I wonder. You know, you know in the elite program, they might do. But they might do it as self-preservation so that, you know, just in case anything happens to these women, they can't be blamed. That's what I think. You know, that, that, that makes sense to me. Because obviously if people are dropping... Same, same thing with the British cycling team. You know, they, 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 their health is always monitored. You know, their health mark is always monitored because if any of these people drop dead, you know, during, you know, training for something, they're the first place people are going to look at, you know, um, and and so I think to 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 protect themselves, I think they monitor these health markers, you know, and it just just make it so that it's within a certain a certain parameter that they don't have to worry about them. Yeah, because that makes me think of the the whole Amanda Serrano thing. So when she fought Katie Taylor, people were like. Are you interested in this fight? And I said, there's one person who was found guilty of doping and there's one who's highly suspected to be doping. And we're calling this the biggest fight of all time. I was like, it, it, it feels a bit too seedy for me. And the fact that Amanda Serrano's had a whole career where no one has really sat down and said, what was your role in your sister going, your sister getting done, not going to jail, but being found guilty and her boyfriend, who's now your manager going to jail for a year. What was your role in that? Because you, you were charged, but nothing seemed to happen to you. Uh. And, and here you've got a woman bouncing up and down the weights willy-nilly, never seeming to lose power as she goes up or down. And you're like, ah, come on. <laughs> this is yeah. 2022. Are we still playing these games, these fake natural games? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's... it's... <clears throat> I'm I'm wondering if people have just are just not bothered nowadays. I'm I'm, I'm wondering if people are accepting of the fact that there are performance enhancing drugs in the sport and they don't care. I think people like the fake outrage, don't they? Because remember when when Fury got done for Nandrolone, there was the outrage online, right? But they all watched the Fury versus Dillian fight. They're two guys who popped. Do you think there was outrage though? I didn't really sense any outrage. 
Ah, oh, there was. Ah, oh, he's a, maybe it was the partisan sort of Team Joshua versus Team Fury. Ah, oh, your man's a drug cheat. Uh, but no one's really upset because if you look at the Boxing Hall of Fame, people were happy Roy Jones went in. People were happy James Tony went in. They both failed, they failed drugs tests. It's not yeah, a secret. Yeah. Yeah, another one, Shane Mosley, he didn't fail, but he admitted to what he was doing with the Biocall Lab people. No, no one says a word about that. Yeah. You know? It's, it's, no one says it's crazy. Boxing, people talk about, yeah, we need a clean sport. But whoever's put in front of you to fight, you don't really care, do you? And I think deep down, the thing about boxing is, it's a really simple concept, isn't it? Two people fight. I genuinely think after all, people don't. No one cares if Joshua's juicing off Chisora's. No one cares, and I and I don't know why. Is it because deep down, boxers have no intrinsic value? They have value in terms of your support for them validates you to your group of friends. You know, like because boxing fans are a weird bunch, right? They love the fact that they're boxing fans more than they love the boxers. Hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. I've always found that I really think, weird. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. It's a weird one. I, it's, it's, I often ask myself that as well. Like, do, 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 do boxing fans actually care nowadays after everything they know that boxers might be on PEDs? And I have to say, I don't think they do. I, I don't you, think they do. I'll tell you when they will I, care. I think, sorry? I'll tell you when they will care. When someone dies in the ring and the guy that hit him fails a drugs test. Yeah. Or is found but to again, have been a doper. Is, right. But you see, this is the argument that Tony Ballou always comes with. Right? This And, and it annoys me, this argument. And, and Liam Smith come with the same argument. So my argument for that is that presumes that no one has died in boxing before. You know? Which we know is crap. Because yeah. many boxers have died, you know, and and then that also presumes that out of the boxers that have died, the person that that was, you know, they were fighting wasn't on performance enhancing drugs, which we probably know that that was the case in a lot of cases, right? But you're just presuming that because they haven't failed a test that they're clean. So, you know, again, then then we go back to okay, if two natural guys are fighting and one dies in the ring. Why is that death doesn't matter, but a guy who's juiced up versus a guy who's not juiced up and, and a guy dies, that death matters. So why is one death okay and one death isn't? It's still death. Then we go to the point of, okay, then what about if uh, one guy is using creatine, which we know is, is, is proven to be a strength enhancer, I actually get more strength off creatine than certain anabolic steroids, right? So that's, that's a fact, right? So we know creatine, and yet it's allowed in, in, in any form, right? So what about if that guy kills a guy who's not using any creatine? What then? Does, does that take on the same level as a guy who was doping and then who killed someone in the ring? Do you see what I'm saying? That's why these arguments are just stupid. They're arsenite. So here... So so I always look at things from, from a sport that I know in depth, right? So if you look at the problem with rugby at the moment, they've got a massive concussion and CTE issue, right? But no one talks about what's causing that. And what's essentially causing that is the fact that most of these guys are juicing. So you've got guys running at full speed at 130 kilograms. 
And you've got some guy at 95 kilograms who has to stop that. So the collision forces have an asymmetric effect on the smaller guy. And so you've got these guys now who can't remember anything. But no one talks about the fact that actually rugby players have been doping for so long that I, that's most of the problem. Because when the guys were smaller and slower in the 90s, those guys don't seem to have CTE issues. And they were playing two, 300 games in their career. And I think right. it's, look at boxing as well. In the old days, remember you'd watch a 12-round fight. And in round 12, it was literally about who could stay up. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, look at someone like Usyk. Usyk's still doing 100, 120 punches around in round 12. Mm-hmm. That's not natural. We know that's not natural. I don't care what hills you're running in in Ukraine. Like, that's mm-hmm. not natural. Mm-hmm. But we don't talk about that. We don't talk about... the. the how many extra power punches are boxers now taking in their career versus what they would have taken 15, 20 years ago? Don't know. Is it worse? I don't know. What I do know is the problem that we need to investigate because the lawsuit's coming for boxing. The lawsuit is coming. And not only that, Larry, parents are now saying to their kids, I don't want you playing rugby. I don't want you boxing. Mm. That, that's really what, that's what's happening. And, and until someone grabs hold of this, and addresses it, it's a real problem. I still can't believe in boxing, you have to drink water between rounds. I can't believe the board yeah, haven't uh, sat down with, I don't even care what company it is, GSK, Pfizer, and said, you need to make a drink that we can give each corner that doesn't cause allergies, so it's hypoallergenic, but it achieves these aims. It fills them back up yeah. with electrolytes, helps support the regeneration of cerebral spinal fluid, and also ensures that they can maintain a degree of alertness so that at least they, their reflexes don't diminish over the course of the fight. Develop us that drink. And, it, and there's plenty of drinks like that already. There's plenty like that already. But boxing is that much in the dark ages that still all they give is water. Do you know how many um, injuries in fights, that brain injuries that that will prevent? You know what I mean, and 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 all they're talking about is doping, doping, doping. You know, as far as your, as far as what you said about lawsuit, that that's not going to happen, bro. I'm telling you now, for the same reason I've just given you. And and in fact, if anyone did try to bring a lawsuit, that would probably end up being the death of Wada. So I'd actually like to see that happening because, again, people would ask, why is it arbitrarily one is okay creatine, but a drug that's naturally in your body as well, as creatine is, testosterone, is not. Like, who arbitrarily said that one's okay and one isn't? Did, 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 was there a poll taken? Was, was, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, did, did, that's what would happen. That's what would happen because then people would be like, well then, well, why is it okay for one death and not okay for the other one? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's these standards it, it will spell the death. I'm, that's why no lawsuit has happened yet. It will spell the death of water. It, it would really, in boxing anyway, it would spell the death of water. It really would. And like that's why say, it hasn't happened yet. I'm in favour of that. Oh, I'm 100%. I'm, I'm 100% in favour. I, I can't wait for that to happen. I because, can't wait for that to happen. Because everyone keeps saying, oh, what about, what about, what about. Listen, it's already happened. It's already happened. And, and and no one wants to be no one no one wants to bring this up no because again it will spell the death of what because then they'll have to really 
sit down and be like, yeah, why is it that this one can take creatine and kill someone and no problems there? But this one can take a naturally occurring hormone in the body, so nothing synthetic, testosterone is naturally occurring in the body, and yet that's not okay if, if he kills someone in a ring. And so, so, so then basically the argument is you've made one okay and one isn't, but there's still two deaths. Do you know what I mean? And then, then they've got to explain that. They've got to explain that. And the studies will not back up any explanation that they try and give. When I'm, I'm speaking specifically about testosterone, like, you know, it, it, just, it just won't work. It won't work. So I, I would love to see a lawsuit. I would love, because I'd like to see the, 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 the whole machinations behind that and, and, and the result of that. Do you know what gives me hope, Larry? Go That Edward Goodnecht lawsuit against the British board where he sued, well, I think his family sued, and they said, had the board asked for his medical records, they'd have realised that he wasn't fit to box. Instead, they just took it at face value that he was past clear to box. I think the board had to pay out like a six-figure sum. And I think what people are now realising is you can test the board's duty of care in the courts. And I think the board are now realising this as well because they're more stringent on your medical history. A lot of people had to retire because the board said, no, you're not fit to box. And, mm. and so the board now know they're under pressure. If someone did die and by some fluke we found out that the guy that hit him had purchased, we'll just say it randomly, he had purchased Trembolone, for example. That'd be awkward for the board. Because then you're starting to say, well, what are your testing protocols for fighters? Especially knowing the degree of danger you're exposing them to. And then mm. it'll turn out that the board don't have a policy. And then so the judge will say, you should have had a policy. You're liable. In the same way when Michael Watson got injured, the court said, well, why didn't you have ringside medics? You know what the sport can do. When were you going to do it? It took a man nearly losing his life and actually having to sue you for you to realize, oh, we need to have ringside doctors and we need to give the doctors more power to stop fights. Mm. That's how the board learned. The board learned by having to pay out money for screwing up. It's a sad, it's a sad way to learn, but it's that triangle, isn't it? You know, the things that teach us the best lessons, wasted time, wasted money, wasted emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it... it, it Here's the thing, though, because uh, the British Boxing Board have outsourced their drug testing to UK Anti-Doping, UK Anti-Doping would bear the brunt of all that, not 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 the British Boxing Board. Uh, it'll be UK Anti-Doping that bear, that bear the brunt. There would be a legal nerd here. No, because the... So you can a, a media service provider. So they could only mm-hmm. work within the parameters that the board give them. Oh, no, no. The board has given them autonomy. They, the UK Anti-Doping in any sport have autonomy. So they, 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 they set the rules. And, uh, and, and I know that for 100%. Yeah. Well, because obviously well, if I'm, ever I'm someone was going to know. Uh, but if you, So here's how I look at it. The board could say for every 12-round championship fight we have, fighters will be tested. Like two weeks before the fight. And I think you could, we should even be doing this for weight making as well. That we should, we should be more stringent on weight making. You should have to weigh in every day of fight week. Mm-hmm. 
so no one's doing those aggressive weight cuts. There no, you know what I mean? You're not using diuretics, sweatsuits, nothing like that. You're not, all of these things the board could do in a heartbeat and it would, it would bring some sanity to boxing. You'd box closer to your natural weight. You'd solve a lot of problems doing this. Because mm. as we've established, most of the problems in boxing are down to weight making. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so when I look at boxing, I don't think it will clean up until someone gets sued badly. I think other sports, like rugby, at some point they're going to have to confront the, the doping problem. But what that does is it affects your product. You know, suddenly you don't have the freaks running around at 130 kilograms. You've just, you're back to how it was in the 90s, you know, a bunch of, I mean knock-kneed men running around into each other, which no one wants to watch. We, you know, we said this in the last show, we love freaks, you know. Mm-hmm. We, we, we love people deadlifting 500 kilos. We love people doing the Hercules hold. You know, we yeah. love people that can box for 12 rounds and put it all on the line. We love the Tour de France because we can't ride like that. We just love freaks. And fans yeah. have to ask themselves, do you want the freaks or do you want the, I don't even know what you'd call them, the glorified amateurs essentially is what you'd get if you eradicated doping for sport. <laughs> and I can tell you, nine times out of ten, everyone wants to see the freak. No one wants the pain to see something that they could possibly do. Everyone wants to see the abnormal. Everyone wants to see the shocking, the the, the you know the, the the absolutely insane, the Usain Bolt. The you know what I mean? That's what people want to see. That's what people want to pay money to see and I don't blame them and I'm in that category I don't want to see something that I used to have to run 100 meters in 10-3 oh, sorry 10-7 sorry not 10-3 I wish I could run in 10-3 10-7 was my fastest time for 100 meters right if if the if, if people were still running 10 seconds for 100 meters I wouldn't be very far off I wouldn't be I'll still be behind but I wouldn't be very far off I would, I'd be I'd be close to world 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 level at that point but no one wants to see that. That's the, the days of that is gone. The day that was that was nineteen nineteen seventies. You know, no one wants to see that anymore. Even now, even in this day and age, if you run a nine nine for a hundred meters, everyone's like, eh, yeah, it's great, but eh, we've seen that many times. So yeah, yeah. Now to, for people to, to stand up and take notice, you're gonna have to run a nine eight. Probably a nine seven. <laughs> Maybe even nine seven nowadays. Because remember, but, but, but do you remember when just getting nine nine was like wow? Everyone, the whole world is 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 is, is in an uproar because you've just done something fantastic. Now, if you run nine nine, it's like a oh yeah, well done, yeah yeah yeah, that's all yeah, good. Nine nine, that was like thirty years ago. That was popping. Do you remember when Linford ran nine eighty seven? Was that in yeah. the world or the and Olympics? He, I think it he won the world. He won the world yeah. then. Yeah, he won the world then because he was. The world record at that point was still 9.86 by Carl Lewis. And he just missed it. He just missed it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, and imagine if he was to run that now in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in a race where it's an Olympic final or something, you won't even see, you might not even see a medal with that, with that yeah. time. And that's an awesome time. And you might not even, imagine 9.87, you might not even see a medal 
that's how far 100 meters have come. You might not even see a medal, let alone gold, with 987. It's like the that women's thing. 100, right? Like now, now, the most interesting record in sport right now is can someone go under 1049? That's never going to happen. You know why? Because even the women that have been confirmed as Dolphin, like your Marion Jones and your Zana Pintuzevich, although she's changed her name now, even they couldn't get near it. The closest they got to was 10-6, which is friggin' awesome anyway. But 10-6 is a million miles away in 100 meters to 10-4-9. Yeah, because 10-6 is where the top women are now. Like, on a good day, they're hitting a 10-6. Yeah. And you're like, well, yeah. wait, where's the rest of it going to come from? I, 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 again, I don't, I don't you, you know, you can get some freak like the guy who beat Kevin Young's record. You can get some freak like that come out and, and do it, maybe. But whoever breaks that record, they've got to know they're going to be under immense scrutiny. Yeah. In, same as the t- same. In fact, I would even wager the 200 meter record is worse if they break that. That's 21, 3, 4. That's even worse. Because I think, I think that as impressive as the 100 meter one is, I think that's even more impressive, the 2022 20, 200 meter one. I think if someone breaks that, yeah. There's going to be eyes on you, like <laughs> I think you. If anyone breaks any of those two world records, they would have to do the flow Joe and retire the same day. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's insane, it's, isn't it? That because because really, if you think about it, there are, there are two sports that if the top guys were found to be doping, it's finished for all sports. I think athletics is one, and football mm-hmm. is the other. Mm-hmm. If Bolt had ever been found to be doping, athletics would have been finished right there and then. Yeah. And yeah. the same, like, if you found Ronaldo to be doping, although he has every red flag over him that I can think of, but if he was ever found mm-hmm. guilty of doping, football's done. No, football's done. Football's done. Football's done. But then, but then also, you have to think, do, footballers, do football fans really care? I mean, the whole thing with Messi and growth hormone came out and no one gave it to No one cared. But what the excuse was he was taking it from when he was 13, right? Yeah, that's true. But, you you know, a lot of these football fans don't know their arse from their elbow. So, um, you know, they they wouldn't even know the difference. Yeah. But yet, all they, all they were here was human growth hormone performance when I was in drugs. But they didn't care. I didn't hear no noise about that whatsoever. But so, it... it, it it's. I would say, and and so here's 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 the thing I'll say about where we're at with doping right now. The the genie's out the bottle. It ain't going back in. That's true, and that's definitely true in boxing. I think people have now come to the realization that to get Anthony Joshua money, I need to do Anthony Joshua things, and you don't do that eating tuna and noodles. You just don't, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not even saying this from a cheating perspective. I'm just saying from a pragmatic perspective, a 12-week boxing camp is hell on earth. Mm-hmm. And you've got to have anything in your arsenal to overcome the pain and the niggles, the inflammation when your elbow hurts, your shoulder hurts, and you've got to keep going. It, these guys pay a heavy price with their bodies for what they do. And the fans have a question. Mm-hmm. It's like, if you're not going to draw the line now, you may as well let it go to where it needs to go to. Which 
and and I think this is probably the the, the bit that I, I take most fun in. I almost thinking about where this doping's gonna go. Because just between the last episode and this one, just the stuff I've been able to learn, mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, that's what people are using. <laughs> it's like, like, remember the old days, Winstrol was just for people who were scared to pin, right? That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. people are talking about, well, if you take Winstrol, it actually improves cognitive ability while you're training. It improves skill mm-hmm. acquisition. And I'm like, oh my God, is this the level we're at now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I can't make you ten percent stronger, I can make you ten percent more efficient in your lift. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, we've even got supplements for that. We've got Alpha GPC, which has been proven to work. I've used it, and you know, this is a sub, this is over counter supplement, but it's been proven to work. That that affects your cognitive ability like nothing else, and it really increases your skill acquisition. So for something like boxing, that that's immeasurable, you know. And imagine you using that to the point where you're using that in a 12-week camp every day. It's stored in your system, ready for fight night, as well as being, you know, used all throughout the camp. You know, and this is something, that, this is something that's nice and legal. Like, I ain't using the word legal because it's nothing to do with law, but it's, it's allowed. It's over-the-counter. It's not banned. But yet, look at the, look at the um, advantage you would get for something like that, you know. So you, you said it, we're, we're getting into this this new era with nootropics and all sorts all sorts of things that we've never looked at before, and 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 we are looking at now because obviously certain things are off limits, certain drugs are off limits now because the, the testing parameters have, have, have improved, um, and, and 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 it's funny because older drugs now are, are coming back into into focus because they are um uh they are harder to test for and uh and and also you know just as effective as many other drugs like again i keep going back to testosterone testosterone is, is one of the oldest performance enhancing drugs and that's still used to today till today uh, it's one of the most popular because it's made by the body it's very hard to test for and it's effective, you know. So it is. It is. You know. We're, we're, and the thing is, a lot of people are doing a lot more studies into a lot of different substances now. So we're getting to we're getting to the point where it's going to start becoming like the wild west again, where there's going to be so many different substances, so many tweaks to different substances that you can do. Um that yeah it's 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 and then on top of that you know there's 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 the testing protocol i think we went into this before and uh you know but we know that even the strictest testing protocol by vada is can be overcome and we're not obviously we're not going to go into it here um how to overcome that but you and i both know what we're talking about you know um yeah, and we know it, it, it can be overcome. No, there's no testing unless you're going to stick with someone twenty four seven. There is, and that's not going to happen. There is no testing protocol, whether it's Vada, Wada, whatever. There's no testing protocol that can't be overcome. It's as simple as that. You know you the know? one that made it's, me sit up and take notice. It was when they said they're now looking at animal sources to grow testosterone, well, to create sort of 
synthetic testosterone, right? Because traditionally mm-hmm. the test was always based on the fact that it came from a plant source. So the chemical yeah. signature was different from human testosterone yeah. or from animal-based. Yeah. But yeah. if you were able to develop testosterone in a pig or a cow, you wouldn't yeah. have a hope in hell of detecting it in a test. You couldn't nope. have a test nope. for that. It, and and they, they can already do that. They can already do that. I so that's, that's so. how a lot of people are getting away with... Uh, so what you're alluding to is the carbon isotope testing yeah. uh, for testosterone. So that's the only real way to really catch someone with testosterone. But even the test is so expensive that they don't even start off with that test. They start off with the crude um, testosterone to epitestosterone uh, ratio test, yeah. which is rubbish because I passed that test using testosterone. When I tested positive for EPO, I was using testosterone as well. I was just using a very low dosage of it. And I ma- and, and that was the time when they reduced the ratio from six to one to four to one. And I still skated under that three to five, three point five to one. So I never tested so they never gave me the carbon isotope test for testosterone, which would have caught me because I didn't fail the first test, even though I was injecting a millipestoviron, which is testosterone and anthate, every week. So this <laughs> you know what I mean? And so even then that's flawed. Because the, the carbon isotope test is expensive, they don't want to do that test all the time. But if you've got people who can get hold of test, um, uh, uh, testosterone made from animal sources, then you will even beat the isotope, isotope test, and which a lot of people now are getting um, uh, animal sources from, animal source testosterone from. Now, when I say, um, so it, 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 it's hard for me to go into the science. I know you understand what I'm talking about, but anyone that's listening to this, what we mean by isotope is um, there's a car- there's carbon-13 uh, on testosterone and uh, yeah, on testosterone. And, and depending on whether it comes from a vegetable source uh, or a, uh, an animal source, uh, it's a different isotope. It's a different carbon, which is an, and different carbons are called isotopes. And they can check for this. So this is why there's a difference, even though it's all testosterone. That carbon on the 13th position uh, is is a little different from a vegetable source and from an animal source. So that's put, that's that, that's very crudely showing the difference of how they do the testing. But yeah, you're right, 100%. So if if you've got um, testosterone from an animal source, you pass the carbon isotope test. You don't even have to worry about that. So then what, what new tests are they going to come out with? You know, and this is a test they don't even use that much because you have to, you have to um, trigger the testosterone to epitestosterone level test to then get that carbonized salt tested. You know, and this was always going to come like the science was going to run away from 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 the doping authorities. And, you know, as much mm. as they pretend that they're on top of it, they're not. Like, like I look at how growth hormone has changed it's it's morphed its identity in so many different ways now do you remember in the old days they just thought growth growth hormone was just anabolic yeah it's just the igf1 lr3 that's the one that you really want and so people stop taking growth and start taking igf and now we realize actually there's a really important role for growth hormone in just in terms of how it stimulates the hippocampus so it can actually overcome the effects of stress 
Mm-hmm. And stress is generally bad for athletes in terms of that physiologically, yeah. really bad for athletes. And so you're, you're starting to see this. It's, you know, almost people calling things like growth hormone and insulin, like you can almost call them nootropics or mood enhancers because when you've got the right amount, you tend to offset a lot, a lot of the sort of the externalities that come with training and the anxiety that comes with that and the associated stress. Mm. Whereas in the old days, it was just, if you want to get big, you take growth hormone. Now we're starting to talk about, you know, the more nuanced uses of these compounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it goes into understanding these compounds more to be more specific with what you need it for and which, which athletes will benefit from it uh, the most, you know? I think that's what a lot of this this um, these studies are, are helping with. So, like you said, in, in the past, it was just whole oh, growth hormone, IGF one, blah blah blah. That's it. Now, you, now you're getting into all, all. I mean, this is why a lot of the peptides are now becoming um, popular. Um, a lot of the peptides that uh, the growth hormone secretagogues, um, which, which you know, up until recently, people were using to pass the to pass to, to, to beat growth hormone tests. Uh, but then they can now test for these secretagogues, so that doesn't work anymore. But um, a lot of people still use it to offset the um, the expense of uh, getting pharmaceutical growth, you know. So and but yeah, all, man, it, I mean, it, yeah, it's good, isn't it? Because if there's because one of the challenges with growth is a lot of people start taking too much of it, and there's a risk of acromegaly, right, where your 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 hands mm-hmm. and your feet just get big, and your your head gets big. And so when you take the the sort of you know things like ipamorelin, GHRP two, GHRP six, those sort of things, at least you're stimulating your natural production. Yeah, 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 and um, and like I said, it offsets the cost. And um, I mean, there's another one that's oral based. Um, it's, it's it's part of the whole Psalms thing. Um, what's it called? Um, uh, MK six seven seven. That's it. MK six seven seven. Ibutamorine. That's it. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the oral version because obviously uh, GRP two and G, 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 I mean, GHRP two and GHRP six have to be injected, whereas uh, MK six seven seven can be orally ingested. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 this is. A lot of a lot of research is now going into all of this, and again, like I said, it's it's helping with the, with the specificity of these drugs, but not just of the drugs, but of the uh, athletes that will benefit mo- mostly from these drugs. Um, yeah, so it's get like like I, like I said, and like what you said, it's going to be very interesting to see where doping goes in the next. 30, 40, 50 years, you know, it's going to be very interesting. And I've got a feeling that in a lot of sports, they're either going to give up this uh, this this whole doping, you know, WADA thing, or um, I'm waiting for someone from one of these rich, oil-rich countries like Qatar or, um, you know, the UAE to uh, to create a uh, an enhanced, uh, sporting league <laughs> that would 
that 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 would really blow people away, and then you'd really see what people care about, whether they care about the well, performance enhancing drug thing, or they don't give a crap, and they just want to see freaks do what freaks do. <laughs> and we don't I'm watch. Coming, bro. Huh? We don't watch. We don't watch. Of course we would. Yeah. Of course we would. Think about it. If, if, if they if, if they opened up a, an athletic league and they said, right, you guys can do whatever the hell you like. Don't worry about being tested, bro. I'm telling you, you you, you would see someone run nine four, very sharpish, very sharpish. I, I'm I've no doubt about that. You'll see someone run nine four the next year, literally, literally, because then they're not having to, you know, um, hide what they're doing and. And, you know, uh, worry about testing so we can't take this up into the competition. You can do whatever the hell you like. So within the year, you'll see someone run 9 4. No doubt about that. Because you know one no of the big about factors that, that's helped a lot of these sort of discoveries around doping, like this growth of biohacking. Mm-hmm. So literally, mm-hmm. people at home going, what if I take this and this dose? So an example of this, and I never thought this would actually make sense. So a lot of people, um, a lot relative to the number of participants in the sport, obviously, are looking at psychedelics in strength and power mm. sports. So how do you dose appropriately, you know, something like a psilocybin mushroom, to, and it's more of just for your mental state, right? So mm-hmm. to almost detach you from what it is you're doing enough that it doesn't feel like a big deal. Mm. which I find really, really interesting because that's an area you would not have thought of, right? You'd have thought, well, just get stronger. But actually, it's like if you can remove any negativity from your mind, does that weight get easier to lift? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's not surprising that they're looking at that route now because even from from from, from, the, from the dark ages, you used to, you, I mean, you talk about magic mushrooms, uh, they used to call them berserkers, isn't it? From the Viking era, yeah. they used to take that stuff to go and fight battles uh, because it just allows you to just, you know, forget about pain and 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 just do some crazy crap. Um, you know, obviously things like PCP and uh, LSD are all, all part of that as well. You, it, it just takes you outside of yourself, and, and you're, you're able to achieve things that n- normally human beings wouldn't be able to do. I mean. It's ridiculous. I mean, I think even PCP is sort of something like that as well. Um, but but again, it has a negative con- connotation to it. It has negative side effects, which could send you do lally, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So obviously taking just enough to be able to get the benefits without getting the side effects is what they're trying to, um, they're trying to work on that. But funnily enough, because I've read a lot of these studies, it's not just for performance-enhancing benefits in sport. It's for performance-enhancing benefits in war as well. Funnily enough, um, I forgot which Air Force it is, but there's an Air I think it's the Australian Air Force that actually allows, although I'm quite sure a lot of them do, um, but I, I know as a fact it's the Australian Air Force that allows their uh, pilots to take EPO. You know, uh, and their motto is everything's fair in love and war. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I don't, I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Listen, if 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 we had a war going on, I'd want all our soldiers to be on fucking 
performance enhancing drugs without a doubt. You know, that's the whole point. Is <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, that I mean, the psychedelics is a very interesting uh, field of study. Um, that obviously we knew about for for, for 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 hundreds of years, and now we're trying to refine it. So it, it, it is interesting. It's interesting how we always go back to the old stuff, isn't it? As we mentioned about testosterone, it works. now we're talking about psychedelics. Yeah, because <laughs> because it works and its risk profiles understood. Mm-hmm. Like, like I think someone said something really interesting. They said it's almost impossible to invent a better steroid than the ones we already have. Yeah. Too much work has gone into it already. Um, We've exhausted it. And that's why they're talking about the next frontier being the manipulation of genes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which is scary, by the way, that, that, that in terms of the frontier, that's scary. That, that, I think that's where it's really going to be interesting is, 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 not a word that even begins to cover it, but yeah, that that it, it, it's scary at the same time because what you're going to be able to achieve, and I'm sure they've already gone down this route already, but obviously we're just scratching the surface of what we can do in terms of uh, gene modification and you know stuff like that. We're, we're just scratching the surface. I mean, what we're going to be able to achieve in like 50, 60 years from now with that is going to be mind blowing, um, and. I think that it, I think that will actually make, for the most part, um, performance enhancing drugs obsolete. You know, I think um, I think I think that 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 the modification there is is, is eventually going to make performance enhancing drugs obsolete. I mean, I mean, you can always you can always argue that well, no matter how much you modify the genes, performance enhancing drugs will still give a benefit in increasing what you already have and, and yes there's arguments can be made there um, but I think there won't be as much focus on performance enhancing drugs in years to come because that's the gene modification is where um, the focus is going to lie you know we'll, we'll kind of get into that point now like, I don't know if you've heard about like parents getting growth hormone for their children right because they're like almost like my kid's life chances improved the taller he is. So kids are being given growth hormone at a young age. So you don't end uh-huh. up being five foot one as a man, for example. Like uh-huh. and and like not not trifling doses, you're talking like six IUs a day. Uh-huh. Which like if you took six IUs a day now, like whew. Yeah. That's that's a good though. <laughs> Let's say that. yeah, that's a good dose, and and so you're seeing parents going, yeah, we, we need. So this notion of doping is everywhere. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everyone's trying to take the advantage they can. But it's always been like that, bro. Yeah. This, this is what, even even down to waking up in the morning and drinking your coffee. People forget that's a drug, caffeine, and and and, and you're drinking that to be able to get through your day. You know, or to wake you up in the morning when you, you know, to get ready for your day. It, it's always been like that. People are always going to use drugs to better themselves. There's that saying, better living through chemistry. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. Yeah. Better living through chemistry. Yeah. You know, we, we, we are always quick as human beings to find, to, to ask, instead, instead of what can we do or what work can we do uh, to improve this or that, what can I take? 
what you know what what can I take that's going to help me? What can I take? What can I take to increase this? What can I take to take away my pain? What you know? It, it's just human nature. It's just human nature, and and you're not going to get away from human nature. Fact. So this is why this doping thing is always going to be there. Always going to be there because it's just it's, it's in our nature. You know. No, you're you're hundred percent right. We'll steal any advantage we can, and there is no bonus point for doing something clean. And uh, luckily, I'm not licensed by any governing body, so I can say this now. Uh, I might be held to account for it further down the line, but hey, <laughs> no one gets an extra medal for being clean. You don't get an extra pat on the back. You don't get an extra fifty grand in your prize money. You don't like. Whatever people want to say, Lance Armstrong lived the dream for as long as it lasted. Yeah, and he's not broke. Lance Armstrong's not broke. Mm. And so I've always said the thing about doping and people trying to, we as human beings we love to tear people down. Mm -hmm. You know those people who who get up every day, they pay their taxes, they live by the rules. They get annoyed when people don't live by the rules and do well. And you almost want to explain to them, no one does well living by the rules. It's never worked. Like, I remember when I was at school, I figured this out. I was like, you know, if I just do what everyone else does, I'll just be like one of the other Herberts sat there. And I was like, nah, I'm just going to be me. And what happens? Mm -hmm. Like, the school throw things at you. Oh, he might benefit from this. He might benefit from that. And you're like, oh, okay, I'm accumulating things. I'm not even being that much of a troublemaker. Just enough that is beneficial. My grades never suffered. But I've got more out of school than all those other people. And then they become envious. They're like, why is he getting all of this stuff? It's like, hey, I showed you the blueprint. Because the truth is, right, Who? no one has ever said Fury's not a real world champion because he tested positive for Nandrolone. No one has ever said that. No. And that should tell everyone everything they need to know about doping. Like, deep down... It's an inconvenience, right? Because the governing bodies painted themselves, like you said earlier, they painted themselves into this corner saying it was all about athlete protection and leveling the playing field. But actually the truth is they don't, they don't know what the definition of leveling the playing field is anymore. Mm -hmm. Is it to let everyone go loose or is it to test everyone all the time? One's cheaper than the other. Mm. And it's the same in boxing. I, I just think if you want 12 round wars in boxing... You have to let these guys pop needles in their backsides, men and women. Yeah, I think most of them are already. You just have to leave them alone and stop harassing them about whether they're doping or not. Uh huh. And I think, and I think that's that. I think that's the way it's gonna, it's gonna have to be. At some point, people are gonna have to just stand up and say, "Look, what's going on?" It. Um. I, I think I think these questions will will, will arise. I think they will. I mean, people might not see it, but I think slowly but surely, people are opening their eyes and they're thinking, right, there's, 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 there's something wrong here. You know, people are doing this behind closed doors anyway. So, like, you know, we need to let, we need to let the car out of the bag. And, we, we, yeah, it's as simple as that because it's just getting ridiculous. It's getting, And I'm telling you, there, there will come a point where someone in, and I know I keep mentioning these two countries because these are countries that have people that have stupid amounts of money they don't know what they want to do with it and so more than likely this is, this is where the money would come from but Qatar and the UAE 
this is where someone's going to come out and just say, you know what, I'm going to create a sports league where you can do whatever the hell you want. And there's no testing. And that's when you're going to really see if people care about uh, drugs in sport or not. And the mo- most likely, they don't care. They don't care. Because like as we both just said, they want to see freaks. It's as simple as that. People, people want to pay to see the extraordinary. People don't want to see... There was a, yes, there was a time in, in history when running 10 seconds flat for 100 metres was madly impressive. And don't get me wrong, for someone who used to be a sprinter, that's still madly impressive for me. But for the lay person, that is not impressive to them no more. Not, nor is running 9-9 nine, nine for all that matters, for what we're saying. You, you know, you, you can run 9-8-7, as we said earlier, in a 100-metre final in Olympics nowadays and not come away with a medal. That says something about how hundred meters of progress, and if you then if you're going to tell me that it's progressed that way naturally, we all know that's bullshit. Because if you speak to every hundred meter runner going, um, as well as genetic, but we'll get into that in in, in a bit. Um, the, the the they always say you could if you without drugs, you could possibly with the right genetics run a hundred meters once or twice in your lifetime under ten seconds. But the toll it takes in your body, that's all you'll be able to do. But being able to run it again and again and again and again, like a lot of these guys can, there's only one way to do that, and that's with performance-enhancing drugs. And then we get into the fact that it's only the last few years that we've had other races, apart from black people, run under 10 seconds. So, again, that tells you (laughs) what genetic components are needed and the fact that only recently that's been able to be done by other races. So do they have now those genetic components or are they using something else to, you know, uh, to, 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 to overcome that? People need to think about this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, man, these, these chemical compounds have changed the world and they've actually leveled the playing field to the point where, as you said earlier, now it's just a, it's, it's a, it's a genetics play now because there are no secrets in training. There are no secrets in supplementation. Everyone's doing what everyone else is doing. And like you look at the Mr. Olympia stage, the guy with the best genetics normally wins. Mm-hmm. Normally. In the 100 meters, the guy with the best genetics normally wins. It's different in skill sports like football and rugby because you're you're operating across multiple dimensions, all of which contribute to the performance. But even there, even that, people are taking stuff for for better decision making. Uh-huh. Um, what was the thing that they developed in pigs? I can't even remember off the top of my head. There's a uh, it's like cerebro or something. It's basically <laughs> developed in pigs to help humans with decision making. I heard something about it. I can't remember the name of it either. Crazy. But, mm. like I said, like, sometimes in a skill sport, it's better to make better decisions than it is to be a better athlete. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and hopefully what people will take away from this is there are so many things people are either looking into or using. It's not just about steroids anymore. Like, we're so far past that. Now it's oh, yeah. really about, like, we're really tweaking, like, 
physiology, with tweaking physiology, we're getting a 5% benefit here, a 10% benefit there, a 20% benefit here, a 1% benefit there. And we're hoping there are synergies between them, which mean the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's what it is, man. So it's more polypharmacy. And, but as you said, which is then now going to lead into uh, gene doping. Uh, gene gene doping is the future. That, that that there's no doubt about that. There's, there's you know that that is. Uh, I mean, they've already started to try to test for that, which I, I know they can't. It's, it's it's not possible right now. But in the future, who knows? But again, uh, like I said, um, it, it's that's going that's going to be the the way forward. I don't think it's gonna it's gonna totally. Uh, eliminate performance enhancing drugs because like I said even with the best genetics performance enhancing drugs will always improve you so there will always be that aspect of it but yeah like you said it's going to be tweaking and fine you know it's it's, 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 it's going to be more more about drugs that can fine tune certain aspects of your performance now as opposed to just taking something that can blanket imp- uh, improve most things like as performs in, uh, as uh, anabolic steroids uh, does and uh, various other uh, substances because that's the, I mean that's how EPO came to focus because we know EPO is, is focused mainly on stamina because what does it do? It increases your red blood cell level extremely well so we know that's a drug that is only for niche purposes which is Increasing your um, your endurance, you know, and I think that, as you said, the tweaking of certain drugs and certain parameters is is where it's at right now. Until they get to the point where gene doping is the norm, because the one that they haven't quite figured out yet is what substance would help you manage lactic acid better. Um, they have put, well, like I said, EPO does to a, to a large degree, um, because it just helps that whole recycling thing happen a lot quicker. Uh, and I can speak from personal experience that it does, but uh, you could be right in that something specific. I mean, there's even natural substances that do very well in buffering lactic acid. One of them being, um, uh, beta alanine. That's a really good, uh, natural supplement. They call it the, the creatine for endurance athletes um, because it does and there's loads of um, loads of studies on it as well that how well it buffers uh, lactic acid through the carnosine uh, route um, but would yeah I mean it's quite possible that they could find a drug that could completely eliminate lactic acid production but then I, I think that because as you know yourself, lactic acid benefits on the other side as well as energy production. Um, it, it, it might not be as beneficial as it sounds to, to completely yeah. blunt lactic acid production. So who knows? Who knows? No, but again, this is all going to be part of their, their fine, fine tuning and tweaking and whatnot. So let's see. Let's see. <laughs> exciting times man I have to say I have to say you know speaking to you it, it makes me realise 
uh, you know, uh, that it's going to be really, really exciting to see what happens in this in this avenue in, in years to come. Yeah, and the thing I'd say to someone, because I'm conscious I've, I've literally eaten up three hours of your time, Larry, but the thing I'd say to people <laughs> is, don't be, and this is civilians only, all non-athletes, right? I'll be very clear about who I'm addressing here. Don't be overly moral about this stuff. If you feel you need a boost of testosterone and and your biomarkers suggest that, don't suffer in silence. Push for it. By all means, push for it because you only have one life to live. And so if you can have a better life and there are options for having a better life, do it. My only thing is medical supervision and Find yourself someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and, yeah. and if for you athletes, if you want to know how to use stuff that is wider approved, get yourself someone who knows what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and and just make sure you don't take any risks. So I know there are a lot of people doing this backyard stuff at home. You're yeah. playing with your you're playing with your long term health, and don't do that just to look good for for people who won't even care what you look like. Mm-hmm. That, that's my counsel. You know, it's, yeah. it's one of those things, we're never going to get rid of it. So your only question is, how do I make it work for me? Mm-hmm. That's genuinely yeah. how I look at it. And listen, all I can say to the guys is, hopefully they enjoyed this because, you know, in the, and you need both episodes. I think you need the first episode to understand the real detail. I think the second one was more important to talk about the wider themes, you know, making sure that people understand that it's moved on from what they understood doping was. Yeah. And you can either be scared or be inspired. The choice is yours. Yeah. So I had to thank you, Larry. You know, not, thank you, I, you know. <laughs> no, no, number 100 has been enjoyable. This has sort of reinvigorated my my enthusiasm for, for recording again. I've really, really enjoyed it. I've learned a lot as well. So, oh, thank you so much, Brian. And it's always good talking to you, man. Seriously. It's, it's, it's always a pleasure, man. So, yeah, man, it's good to do this again, man. And I hope, and I hope that people, um, you know, get as much benefit from this as they did the first one, which I think they will. I think they will. I, I, you know, the, they fit together. Like, I think you could listen to one then the other, but my advice is probably don't take up six hours of your life, break it up into chunks. <laughs> Maybe have a notebook as well, so you can just keep up with where things are. Yeah, but you might remember, do you remember when when we did the first one? That's what people ended up doing. They were so sucked in, they ended up listening to it all at, at one sitting. Yeah, a lot of people did that. I was like, how? <laughs> and the people who had to go back and go, oh, there's something I missed. I will go back in. And pick up on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, bro, it's always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. Thank you very much. No problem. No problem. I don't know. How do you put into words what it's like having to talk continuously for three minutes? To be fair, Larry did a lot of the lifting, so credit to him for being that prepared. So I sent I sent him an outline, which was more of a brain dump than anything, and the fact that he could he could catch that and run with it just tells you here's a man who's on top of his craft that i don't think there are many in this country better than him for what he knows and what he does and you know 
it's strange, isn't it? It's like having a lot of knowledge in something that you're not meant to know about. So someone was, how do you, how do you market that? How do you promote it? I have no idea. But there's value somewhere in that knowledge. It's a shame that, you know, the authorities never tapped into that and tried to, you know, use his knowledge as education. But uh, as we talked about earlier, loads of interesting themes in that. And I hope you enjoyed all of that. You know, we talked about what happened in the previous couple of years since we recorded some of the general trends and themes we're seeing now in boxing and actually beyond boxing, to, to use the pun, because a lot of what you see outside of boxing will eventually come into boxing. Boxing's generally last to embrace these things. And then also just a view on the future in terms of off-label use of pharmaceuticals, you know, stuff like gene doping, all of those things that, you know, all seemed like science fiction 10 years ago, but what we're potentially getting there and you know it's going to force us to question our notion of cheating and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and i think we're ultimately going to end up going you know let let the freaks loose and let's just see where we end up so hopefully you enjoy that guys as always if you like the content share it um let's carry the discussion on and onwards to 101 and the next 100 i guess you take care bye